0: Hello and welcome to the Caged In podcast, as ever, brought to you by the Breadcrumbs Collective, and hosted by me, Petros Patsilavas. If you are new here to this dear podcast, what we do here is we watch every single Nicolas Cage film to determine if he is the greatest actor of all time. Well, that's what we do when there is a new Nicolas Cage film, especially like today. We will be talking about the brand new Nicolas Cage film, The Old Way. What a treat. What a way to start off a new year. And what a way to celebrate Cageuary, ladies and gentlemen. A newly 59-year-old Nicolas Cage has a new film out in the world. A birthday present to him and from him to us. What a joy. Um, I don't, however, do this alone. I'm often joined by a guest. I'm always joined by a guest. And this week I'm joined by the fantastic Mark Hofmeier, who helped me create a absolute gonzo off-the-wall episode that goes everywhere and anywhere it possibly can. And I love him for it. This is a really fun episode. We get into all sorts and there may be a little, a little kind of sizzle for you guys there may be a new uh, caged in t-shirt design off the back of this episode have a little have a little listen and reach reach out on socials so at caged in pod on twitter instagram facebook letterboxd and tiktok and let me know what you think the t-shirt design possibly could be cuz oh oh boy it's a lot of fun uh as for this episode in regards to some Spoilers well, ladies and gentlemen, we keep it spoiler light for our first part of the conversation, and uh, we get to a certain we get to a certain point and don't worry you'll, you'll know because I very much uh, <laughs> made sure that it is delineated within the episode. We hit spoiler territory and go into every nook and cranny of this new release. so yeah, I guess all that's left to do is to saddle up and ride out. As we get caged in. Giddy up, partners. Today we're saddling up and ensuring our six shooters are primed and ready to go as we talk about Brett Donahue's 2023 traditional western, The Old Way. This film is based on a script by Carl W. Lucas and stars Nicholas Cage. Ryan Kira Armstrong, Noah LaGross, Mark Searcy, Abraham Benrubi, what a name, and Clint Howard. Joining me in our two-man posse to search for the answer to the big question, is Nicolas Cage the fastest gun in the West, or is he just a low-down varmint? Is a man well-versed in all things Nicolas Cage as the co-host of Conair the podcast? Is also a journalist, a big fan of data, a deep blue seer, A fandomer, a movies, films, and flickser, a rotten tomatoer, a film theorister. He's of course the only man who matches that CV. It's Mark Hofmeier.
1: How are you today? Uh, Oh, I'm just living a dream. I'm I'm actually sorting jelly beans as we speak. So I apologize (laughs) if you're listening to this episode, if I'm just dropping different things into different vases. Because you know, you can't have them all together. You gotta separate these jelly beans. Spe- so I'm gonna be doing that while we're while we're recording. But I can I can multitask. I can I can multitask. Just want to give you a heads up.
0: Especially if you know it's from a guy who's eating shitty apples.
1: You got you gotta make sure you gotta make sure those jelly beans are clean. Oh, that's Chekhov's Chekhov Shitty Apples is definitely the the theme of this movie. <laughs> and that makes me very happy. Like I love that speech. Like it kind of made me wonder like, does does that happen? If you're the spine outhouse, is that really getting the roots to make the apples taste like crap? Like, does that? Is that a thing?:
0: That's something you hear, isn't it? That's something you, you, you hear is like I don't know yeah, like there was a septic tank and then the, 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 the crops went bad or something like that. Then, then before you know it, you're luring a man onto your island, like to, to make sure your honey's better. You're getting him in a wicker man, and you're burning that motherfucker to the ground, baby.:
1: Oh gosh, you know and you're making him run about 1.1 miles in a bear suit before <laughs> you do it, which makes me so happy. That, I, you know, you saw, I don't know if you saw that, but I I figured out how far he ran in a bear suit in that movie and I almost went insane. I I watched it and that's one of the data things that I did that I quit and I was like, I can't quit. I need to come back at it. (laughs) So I mapped the entire island. I kind of looked where the sunset was. I figured out where he was in the island. Like, where is this island? And then I tracked the time and I came up with that. (laughs) That I did it.
0: What I, like, you'll appreciate this as somebody who, um, who loves data, yeah, who who loves data points, is that is the second film in Nicolas Cage's career, and I I believe we're at four now, of him commandeering a two-wheeled vehicle of someone. So he does it in The Rock, he steals a motorbike off of someone, he, like, threatens that woman for a bike in The Wicker Man, he, uh... He threatens somebody in Pig for their bike. And then he, uh, when given the option of a sports car in Prisoners of the Ghostland, he opts for the child's bike. So Nicolas Cage just has... It's, it's almost like it's become a thing in his, his contract where he's like, if there's an option for a bike, I'm
1: taking the bike, baby. And he doesn't con air too. Him and him and John Cusack jump on bikes and ride towards the yes! truck. Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: He just uh, lo- he just loves a motorbike.
1: Yeah, I mean Ghost Rider. He's always like he's like almost he could probably match Tom Cruise now as far as motorcycling. <laughs> That's my next data article. Who does motorcycles better, Nick Cage or Tom Cruise? Yes, please. Uh, and, uh, uh, <laughs> or two wheeled vehicles. I don't see Tom Cruise riding a bicycle though.
0: No, no. I reckon he's above a bicycle unless it's like. Unless he's, like, riding some bike around a loop-de-loop, like, into the sun. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, unless he's doing something where it's like, I could die. I could die on this bike. Like, he's not doing it.
1: You know what? I don't want to see Tom Cruise ride a bicycle. You know, I've just decided that now. I think he's the least, last person I'd want to watch ride a bicycle. Yeah. I don't know why.
0: You need Tom Cruise. He's either, he's either on two feet or he's in, a, in, a, in an automobile or like a motorbike. Like, mm-hmm. we're not having... We're not having those... And I don't think he would look good on a, on a bicycle either because I think then you would kind of see how tall he is. In, I don't yeah. know. Like, you would, like, even more so... It would, I reckon it would be the same kind of weird that it is to see Kermit the Frog ride a
1: bike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, mean, I guess if he's in the ET remake and he plays the kid, and then he has to jump again with the alien in it, like that, maybe over like a, a crevasse. I I, reckon, no, I don't even want. Mm. I don't want to see that either. Tom Cruise. I you know what. I, Tom I don't Cruise. To do it.
0: Yeah. Tom Cruise, I reckon, is going to age just one day. He's going to age like a banana. Do you know what I mean? Like he's kind of he's looked youthful for ages. He's gonna he's gonna age like a banana and one day. He's gonna look like ET just overnight. Like it'll be perfect to play ET. He'll be in that basket. You don't have to see him ride a bike.
1: He's sixty. It's unbelievable. It's It's, uh, it makes me tired watching him.
0: I spoke to my parents recently, like, and I said to them, like, how old do you reckon Tom Cruise is? And they were like, they were like making guesses. And I was like, older. And they were like, what? It's like, older. Like, they're like 50. It was older. 55. Older. And they are like, my mom immediately went, it's surgery. It's surgery that's done it. I was like, no, no. I don't think surgery can make you like, can help you to jump out of a plane. Like, I, was like, I was like, that's just like, that's having a personal trainer and a nutritionist on hand 24-7 for the past like 40 years
1: lots of b vitamins yeah i yeah, don't yeah. know why it's b vitamins but i feel like he they, i feel like he does b vitamins i feel and, like they help him and, and phaetons
0: as well right they they, they, they help is, is yeah. the phaetons or are they getting rid of the phaetons i don't i don't know how the phaetons work i don't know and i feel like we're, <laughs> by just mentioning that word we're now put on a list mark i do apologize for bringing you bringing back away
1: <laughs> back away back away hey i want to pitch something to you well i, I I was talking about this on Con Air, the podcast, but I noticed that movies that feature Nick Cage being a dad and really badly for his children. Because, you know, in this one, he's a killer. Colorado space. You know what happens. Con Air, his daughter doesn't see him. Raising in Arizona, they steal a kid. Family man. He's like, I don't want a family. And then he goes and gets a family. Cruz is his parent. Like all the kids are like, man, you're not a good dad. Mom and dad. Come on now. (laughs) Like pay the ghost. Uh oh. (laughs) Trespass. Kick ass knowing a score to settle we'll talk about world trade center. Like he's a dad in that, like weatherman. his kids are okay. Face off. oof! And then like frozen ground. He has a kid, but he's a detective and like inconceivable. He gets stalked. Like you don't want to be the child of, of a Nick cage character in a movie. Cause he's in jail. You're in trouble. Yeah. You get kidnapped. Like it's don't, you know, you get you, a space meteor comes down from space, turns you into like a llama. That's like all gooey. Like he's got to stay out of this stuff, y'all. Like, just Nick Cage is—I'm sure he's a great dad, but in movies, you don't want to be his kid. Well, he's the outlier of that, Connor, because he's doing well, she's everything. Never met him.
0: He's doing everything to get back to it.
1: That's true. That's. July fourteenth, guy. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's like yeah. J- July fourteenth is your birthday. I'll be home
1: <laughs> on July fourteenth. Put put
0: put a ribbon around the old oak tree. <laughs>
1: get some lemonade, and you know, he kills a serial killer in a crouch fight to get a bunny back. He picks up the bunny in a gutter. He, you know, and he even stays on the plane because what would my daughter think if, if she knew I left a friend in need? Like he, I, he's a good dad. She's just never met him.
0: I love that in Stolen, a film also directed by Simon West, (laughs) the 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 thing he's bringing to his daughter is a bunny as well he yeah. brings her a bunny and i'm like i think i'm one of the only people who watch that film going like yes we're getting a call back to Conair, baby the team is back together <laughs>
1: <laughs> and also the only thing i think about though when i think about stolen is josh lucas's ah, hair
0: yes josh lucas who is like the kind of twisted third brother of the Grubers. Do you know what I mean? It's like, if if, yeah. if if Hans and Simon had a brother, it would be... Jo- it would, it he, He's like a mixture of those two and um, uh, Tom Noonan's character in Last Action Hero. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is the class. Everything that happened in Stolen's gone, except for Josh Lucas in a car yelling with a wig. And you're just like, what? My... Bro- my brain—I I don't know—I I kind of felt like the gears in my head slowed down he's, when I saw that scene.
0: He's one of my white whales to get on this podcast because I—I I undeniably love that, like love that performance. Like, I'm a—I'm a big defender of that film. Like I've—and I—I know there is a certain person listening. Hello, Liam Dempsey, um, who watched that movie on my recommendation because so I went, oh, it's great. I love it." And like was like you are insane like that you enjoyed that film i was like hey i'm i'm, I'm nicholas cage peeled at this point do you know what I mean i've i've drank the kool-aid i'm i'm kind
1: of i'm down with it and it's like it's fun i mean we have an understanding of cage too you know i watched all 100 of his movies to see which ones he wore a sleeveless shirt in so i mean we understand cage and i think like this movie when he does one of these direct-to-dvd movies they wildly different character like in, in uh, what's the word quality, Mm. but you still know what you're like. You really have to adjust your expectations for a direct to streaming DVD or Blu-ray cage film. Yeah. And so when you can separate those from, from like his higher best output and you can kind of look at, okay, there's a color out of for every color out outer space and Mandy, there's like an inconceivable and a grand aisle, but then there occasionally there's like a stolen, or what the old way that are somewhere in the middle that are kind of fun. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it, you really have to, you're right. You kind of have to warp your sense of thinking when it comes to his output from the 2010s. And like, you, you, does that make sense? Well, yeah, kind of I, to, I, I kind
0: yeah. of, I kind of have to look at it through two lenses as well. It's like detach the Nicholas cage element. Cause I've got to a point now on this podcast where it's like, him doing stuff will be I'll, I'll see like small victories in it do you know what I mean? i'll be like oh it's nick cage getting to do this in a movie it's nick cage getting to do that but then i have to also put on my objective hat it's like how does this like rank or just rate as a a movie in itself not a nicholas cage movie i think there's kind of trying to differentiate the two um and I guess yeah, I, I that need to. Bad. You've watched all 100 Nicolas Cage movies. So I guess you're, you're primed to answer this question, Mark. Are you a Nicolas Cage fan?
1: Yeah. I, I, listen, I don't like boring. I really don't. I think, and listen, I understand modern filmmaking, I understand cable network television. You do have to stick to formulas, and that's what makes bank. And so I'm not dogging on the formula. I'm not dogging on kind of network TV that, you know, every week's a crime. Every week's a court case. Every week is, I don't know, a mer- you know what I mean? Like solving a mystery. Every week is home renovation. Mm-hmm. So like I get that you need that pattern. And I think a lot of actors are very safe. You know, there's like a Dwayne Johnson who's very safe. There are actors who are very safe. Mm-hmm. But Nick Cage, man, like he'll pop up at a Mandy and then he'll cop- pop up in color out of Space doing that accent. Mm. He'll just show up in Grand Isle with that shirt. Uh, He he just, like, he'll do a Deadfall, then he'll do like a weird sequel to Deadfall, and then he'll pop up in Mom and Dad and just go gonzo. But then he'll jump into a pig where it's incredibly melancholy, like, it's it's loaded with melancholy and it's quiet and And, it's reserved and it's powerful. And
0: he's the only person who can play that role, right? Because it's like, there's so much of like a a meta element to it of like somebody who used to have this like oomph and power in like their industry, like Robin does in. Uh, in, like, the chef, in like the kind of mm-hmm. chef world. And, like, Cage kind of knows that that thing of being on top. Do you know what I mean? If you look back to 19, he's probably thinking, right, when he was chefing, it was 1997. Do you know what I mean? Like, that, 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 that for me, that that's it. It's 1997. I've got Patricia Arquette on my arm. I've got two of the biggest movies ever coming out that year. And now. Huge now like i've i've gone through that kind of wilderness period which very much is that 2010s and obviously there are some truffles within that wilderness that, that we managed to find right <laughs> like joe joe is like an absolute
1: yeah oh, like gem and, and you know his physicality in joe like he's he got real kind of beefed up in that movie and he had a very physical very physical presence but then in other movies where he sort of shows up wearing a henley and which are the ones that are lowest rated. If he wears a Henley, like stay away. But then he's very, he seems sort of out of shape and kind of puffy and, mm. and not into it. But then he'll pop up again in a Mandy where he's like beefed up and with a chainsaw fighting people. And it's just this really, and then he'll go down bearable weight of massive talent and argue about loafers with Pedro Pascal. So it's for me, what I like is different. I like, you don't know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he'll, he and what Sio Sono and in, in prisoners of the ghost land was a natural fit when I heard mm-hmm. about it. I mean, you know, but then his testicles blow up and, and you're just going, wait, wait, his testicle. And then Willie's Wonderland, he's just drinking money, month. Like, it's just such an like he did Willie's Wonderland. Pig and Prisoners of Ghostland in 2021. That's a weird lineup. <laughs> yeah. And I and I adore it. And I like how he's out there being, you know, I've been saying this for years, man. Like, I've said he's never left because, yeah. like you said, he'll pop up in a he'll pop up in a Mandy. He'll pop up in a Joe. So he's still there, but I just like that output. And that's why I'm a big fan of his because I feel like there's just this, I don't know. There's sometimes his performances and he'll admit it too. He'll try a character and it doesn't work, mm-hmm. but I like watching that. I like actors and directors swing like the happening by M night. Dude, I'll watch that every day. It's insane. I think, and I, I think like I your, love swings.
0: Yeah. I think to your point of like people feeling like he's gone off the boil somewhat. Is that he's just like not as he's not as accessible as he once was to like your kind of big light on movie fans. Do you know what I mean? You're kind of passing movie fans kind of write him off as a joke. So it's like, oh what? I've got a I've got to kind of sign up to a streaming service to watch this one movie or like when it if, if it does hit a theatre, I've got to go to like some I've got to go to a niche theatre. Do you know what I mean? I've got to go to like the Alamo Draft House. I can't go to my kind of like yeah i can't i I can't go to my regal cinemas or like my cine worlds in the uk i have to go somewhere where it's a bit more tailored and specific like with something like mandy whereas like what's exciting now is like with the unbearable weight of massive talent and like renfield coming out this year is like they're both movies that you know well unbearable weight of massive talent multiplex multiplex there's multiplex money behind that so like there is like a sense of pride for like for for, for I think like ardent fans like me is like I get to I get to have that feeling of like and I did it with Unbearable Way of Fast Talent and I might be slightly insane with this and I will definitely do it with Renfield is I will I will go watch it like maybe a couple of times in the cinema and just kind of sit at the back and soak in the crowd reaction do you know what I mean? Like almost like you know, like when you hear these stories of like movie directors, like yeah, going, like, yeah I, sn- I snuck the into the on. I snuck into the theater to see like what, what everyone's what, what the what the vibe was in the audience. So it's like I feel like that's I don't know somewhat my duty of doing this podcast is not just trying to figure out what like of like, yeah what the, the the general vibe and consensus of cages at uh, any given moment as well.
1: That's awesome. And I think one of my favorite theater experiences the last 10 years i was i i, I don't know what it was but I had, I had a day off i don't even know why i had a day off because i never have days off but i was like oh, i guess i could maybe go see a movie or something mm-hmm. and i looked online and mandy was shown in a theater for one night and i saw it that day i was mm-hmm. like well, i'm gonna go see mandy so i went and saw it on a huge screen five people in the theater and i got to watch mandy on the big screen with big speakers and all six of us in the theater were just going, Oh my gosh. When he's ripping Coke and like fighting Cenobites (laughs) and just murdering folks. And like, we were all just screaming and just to have that sensory blasting experience with Nick cage up there. That's probably one of my, my top 10 of the last 10 years. Mm. Easy. Yeah. Watching that experience. And it just made me really, really happy. So cool.
0: I was really lucky last July. I got to intro nicholas cage triple bill at the prince charles cinema in london uh, Oh, it was it was the rock con air and face off and i got to kind of like g up the crowd and get everyone like involved and like do you know what I mean like kind of intro what what, what the night's entertainment was going to be and I, I i i did it in the only true fashion i could i did it dressed as a priest to honor nicholas cage and oh. face off
1: um how many spin kicks did you throw
0: a few, a few head, a few head twists as well. I <laughs> had hallelujah playing as I, as, as I came to the stage.
1: Oh, that's amazing. And I is left that
0: online. No, I left the crowd. I left the crowd of one question. Uh, I said like one thing you have to remember whilst watching these films and think about, and you can, like I said, the details for the podcast are up on the screen. If you, if, if you fancy telling me your answer is which of these three characters do you think is the best fuck who fucks the best? <laughs> the Troy, Cameron Poe, or Stanley Goodspeak. That was a uh, that was the question I left them with, to, to, and, uh, and, and and I drifted off into the night back back home.
1: <laughs> I feel like you just flew home after that. You were on such a high. Yeah, yeah. People well, looked by and like. Well, I uh, were you screaming, "I'm a vampire" on the way home? Were you well, screaming
0: that? You saying about being on a high? I went out to a department store. And had so much confidence in myself, I bought a pair of white jeans.
1: <laughs> That's I could never do. I've never been in a spot in my life where I'd buy white jeans. So I can't even imagine the confidence you had.
0: I had wow. So, uh, so much adrenaline. I thought, you know what? These are, these are Levi's. They're on sale from like 90 pounds to 30 pounds. I was like, they're my size. I'm buying them, baby.
1: How they work? You've you worn them?
0: Yeah, I've worn them. Yes, yeah. yeah I, I, I've been told to look like a sailor or like a uh, like a French painter. I was like, oh yeah, I kind of I'll, I'll dig that. I'll dig that vibe. Ah,
1: uh, yeah. You have more. Com- I I admire that. You have a lot more confidence than I do. Yeah, I couldn't pull that off. Just
0: not eating hot dogs. Do you know what I mean? Or like, I'm I've I've got a very weird stance when I eat. I'm very lent over to the front as a dirt and kind of like this. <laughs> <laughs> and to your point, oh of- man. To your point of Mandy as well, and we'll move on after this. I just need to, I I yeah, what was it?
1: Not last you year. You got to keep me on track, man, because I won't. I'll I'll jump off track. All it would have been it would have it would
0: have it would have been, been two years ago now. I went to a Nicolas Cage all nighter at the aforementioned Prince Charles Cinema, which was a wild experience. So it was The Rock Con face off, um, Drive Angry, and then the night was <laughs> capped off with Mandy. So it started at 9 p.m. and ended at 9 a.m. So imagine yeah. watching Mandy at 7
1: a.m. having been up all night. I mean, that's perfect. That sounds amazing.
0: <laughs> there, were, there was somebody I spoke to. I did like a special episode on this uh, back in the back catalog, kind of talking about that experience with people who were there. And it was one guy's first experience of Mandy, and he said, "Like, I genuinely felt like I was high, and like I was hallucinating. Like, I could see figures moving like down the down the aisles, even though they weren't." And I was like, "That's the experience you want with Mandy." Oh
1: yeah, did it ripping up chainsaws in the theater? I mm-hmm. mean, um, you know, drive angry is fun. I don't think a lot of people. That that's a dirty, nasty, yeah, grimy. That's like a. It's a very effective, nasty little movie. You got a, you so, got a, like, you,
0: you got a sex scene shootout, right? He like <laughs> do, he doesn't, he doesn't even stop pumping whilst like, like blowing people away. It's disgusting, but fun.
1: Yeah, he loves escaping from things, doesn't he? Cage, <laughs> like he uh, you know, face off. He's in that prison. Raising Arizona. He's running away from things. He escapes hell. Yeah, that well, makes me happy. It makes. Yeah, that movie's gnarly. that movie's a lot more gnarly than I thought. It's dirtier than I thought. I think it threw a lot of people for a loop. Yeah, that movie. Yeah, because that's, well, that's that's a grime fest.
0: Yeah, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the screenwriters. Well, was, yeah, as a screenwriter of Jason X, like Todd
1: Farmer knows what it. he's I, I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, so, oh, so anyway. this sucks on so many levels. Isn't, doesn't she say that when she's getting yeah. sucked out of the thing? Oh man! Wait, it takes a lot more than that to kill an old dog. Yep, that'll do it. Oh, what a! Beautiful i love jason x yeah uh, we need jason versus nick cage or mandy or no red versus. Jason. We, we
0: we 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 need the kind of red and uh ash team up that would that that would be great like those two those two versus freddie versus jason
1: they'd kill him. i wouldn't <laughs> like i would i would feel bad for freddie and jason i really would I mean, get out of there, guys. Run. Like, they would become the heroes. Imagine
0: like. seeing Cage and Bruce Campbell, like, like cheersing with a couple of chainsaws. Like, that's, that, that, that's what you want to see, right? And if somebody's listening, can, like, draw some fan art of that. That's all I like, want.
1: Have you read Make Love, the Bruce, the Bruce Campbell way? Have you read that? No, book? no, no. So he, he wrote a non-fiction book, or no, a fiction book where he, he gets cast by Mike Nichols to be in this pretentious movie with Richard Gere and Renée Zellweger. Oh, and he turns it into a total B-movie. Like, it <laughs> never gets released. And then he finds a bootleg of it years later and he just totally turns, like, he just, he just wrecks the entire film because he puts his B-movie sensibilities into it. So as much, I'm worried, that worries me. Because it would, if they could blend the tones of Evil Dead to Bubba Hotep and Mandy, that would be wonderful. But I feel like Bruce Campbell curses some things sometimes, and I love him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I'd want to watch a bad movie with those two.
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah.
1: That's, a, that's a gamble because my expectations would be through the roof for that. I don't know. We should, I still want it. Let's do it. Yeah. Make it. Mandy, Mandy dead. Wait, dead Mandy. No. Red, evil Red. Oh. We'll get
2: evil
0: there. red. Yes, please. <laughs> and if anyone, yeah, if as I said, if anyone if anyone can draw that, please draw it and I will seriously consider it as a as a full back tattoo. That
1: would be <laughs> <laughs> Please. Please. I'll I'll just put it on my my um like my, my pec. I won't do a full back, but I'll I'll cover some skin with it. I will. <laughs>
0: perfect so <laughs> so you told us about a great experience of seeing a nick cage movie but what would have been the first nick cage movie you would have seen mark
1: so i'm all right so i'm, I'm a little old i'm 40 uh, and i think it was it was early 90s for me and i think it had to have been like a trapped in paradise or a guarding tests mm-hmm. you know I watched leaving las vegas when it came out so, you know, when I was young, I was watching all the art. Like, I, I bought tickets for Time Cop, I think, when I was 11. <laughs> and I just, they sold it to me. Like, I was watching The Crow, Natural Born Killers, Kids, like, all those movies. So, it, I, I had no limits on what I watched. I, You know, I saw his three action films in the theater. But I, thinking back to it, you know, I didn't watch Valley Girl till later. I didn't really find out about a lot of his 80s stuff until probably, like, the 2010s. So, for me, yeah, it was, like, the the Guarding Tesses, the Trapped in Paradise that it could happen to you, mm-hmm. Nick Cage. And, and so when he jumped into being you know, The Rock, and then when he got jacked for Con Air, it was a weird world for me. I, yeah. was, I was like, wait, like, is that the dude from Guarding Tess? Like, what's, what's happening here? Because I think I was 15 when that movie came out, Con Air. So yeah, that, those were, that was kind of like my first thing. I really think it was like the Guarding Tesses of the world. I knew Cage as being like the surly, angry guy who wasn't exactly an action hero. That was my first experience with him.
0: Well, there was a point, I think, in the kind of late 80s, early 90s, where he could have gone any direction, right? <laughs> like, it kind of like, it kind of like, because I, I remember well, hearing there was car, there was like news of like casting what if of Nick Cage could have been the Jeff Daniels role in Dumb and Dumber. Oh, no. And it's like, <laughs> well, a lot of people have that reaction, but if you kind of look at like, jeff daniels like beforehand like him and cage were kind of doing a lot of those everyman roles like you mentioned like yeah. it, could, it could happen to you like moonstruck to some degree
1: honeymoon in vegas
0: yeah and if you and look at of- like if you look at jeff daniels in like something wild like that that feels like a movie that cage could have done like
1: wow nick cage and dumb and dumber that's nuts
0: yeah, but I think I think he would have. I think he would have. Like, slu- because he would have just carried oh, yeah. on. He would have carried on his his co- like the comedies he'd been in. Like, you think Honeymoon in Vegas is a co- like rom com? Uh, Trapped in Paradise, which considering it's got what two two SNL alumni, I think Cage is the funniest one of the three because he's just a great he's straight bidding. man.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's not. The bits in that movie got so old. Like, just go back to Cage and like Amos and Andrew, uh, Amos and Andy. Yeah, that one. He was pretty like he was chilling, yeah. So you're right. He could have really could have gone anywhere too. And remember in '95 with Kiss of Death, mm-hmm. like he got little Junior Brown. I'm, I think I'm, you know what I did watch that before Con Air, and I was kind of like, wait a second. Like, I think I don't even think I knew it was Nick Cage at the time that that was guarding Nick Cage. Because mm-hmm. you know, like I'm a BMF and all that kind of stuff. Like he
0: he's bench pressing yeah. a he's bench pressing a stripper. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, come on. Like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess, you know, even just early on, I think I just love that he could be different. And then when he did adaptation after his action run, you're like, oh, wait, oh wait, this guy can actually really act. And then <laughs> he is so earnest and national treasure Like the guy, the guy has range. But yeah, that was my my first experience. I think it was just the guarding Tesses of the world, which is a weird first way to get in your Nick Cage. But were you yeah, interested yeah, by I'll
0: him? Be- were you like I want to see more of this guy or just like open to
1: like whatever really? a man, movies a, a good, movie. I think I I absorbed pretty much everything when it came out. And so I th- think yeah, I was interested in him. I, I cuz I I guess I just liked this presence. You know, I watched I remember watching Leaving Las Vegas. I just go, man, this dude can act. Mm-hmm. I remember the like watching I think I went to the theater to see that. And so I was watch I watched that like 13 I think is when I watched. I watched Pulp Fiction when I was 12 in the theater. I remember watching Reservoir Dogs when I was 11. And I remember just <laughs> thinking this is too much for me. Like am I... Am I like, I, I think for a while I even tried to wean myself off of R rated movies. Cause I'm like, I don't think this is good for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then lethal weapon two was on, I hadn't seen it. So I'm like, well, I'm ditching that. So I remember doing <laughs> that. But yeah, he, I, I think I was definitely interested in him. And then, and then he started doing his action run and became like the biggest actor on the planet there for a little while. And I think I've always kept that interest in him. Like I've always watched his movies. You know, I remember, dude, when Frozen Ground came out, I'm a big Cusack guy. Mm-hmm. And so watching Cusack and Cage on screen together, like after Con Air, of course, I was like, yeah, the reunion. Like, oh, yeah. Ah. Uh, and, and, I like yeah, that I mean, film. They I'm hardly always...
0: have any screen time, right? They're kind of like, uh, yeah. <laughs> they're kind of like up ends of the spectrum.
1: They're kind of doing their own little things. And they, 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 pour, they do a good job there. Like they do a really good job in that movie. And so I've, I've always, I guess I've just always followed his career. Like for me, I'm more about like the, you know, I've always been a big fan of Bruce Campbell. I've always Mm. been a fan of like John Leguizamo, uh, Michael Jai White. Um, I think I've always been a fan of Kurt Russell. I just think actors who don't blow up so much. I think I really lean more towards like, I know Kurt Russell's big, but he, he never had the three biggest action films on the planet. Back to back to back. He hasn't won an Oscar. So for me, I've always been like Michael Jai White in Black Dynamite's amazing. Why doesn't he do more work? Like, I Mm -hmm. think I'm, I'm like a, I think for me I'm more about the character actors type people who I wish would have blown up, who never got that big shots. But still, Cage is, you know, I I've dedicated a lot of time to Cage. So yeah, like, I gotta be a fan of his.
0: And I think he's managed to I don't know, create this perpetual underdog thing as well. Do you know what I mean? Like in Yeah. In like especially with the latter stage of his career where it's like people are like, oh, is he, he, yeah, has he fallen off? Like, was he ever any good? Like, that question gets, like, bandied about quite a lot, so, and I think to what we were talking about earlier, like, every movie you don't know what you're going to get with Cage, so I think he always keeps people on side for that reason.
1: Yeah, it's just, because he just followed up a huge run with this movie, The Old Way, a low-budget tiny-budget western that is not it's not a bone tomahawk it's not a gore fest it's not an open range it's not any of that it's a much different story Mm -hmm. so he's yeah he'll he gives you whiplash sometimes yes (laughs) but that's what i like like sometimes you feel like you know what you're gonna see when you go see an actor so i i kind of dig that you know the old day was not what i was expecting uh, and I don't really go into movies with expectations either. I know people are like, "This is what I want." I think it's you have some certain amount of hubris to to expect a movie to be something. But it, it is fair to go in a movie thinking, "Okay, this will." Based on what I've seen, this will be that. But this is a lot more contemplative, and yeah. a lot, it's much more father-daughter. Yeah, we'll get.
0: And, we, we,
1: we, we, yeah, we'll oh, sorry, get sorry, to sorry. it. No
0: worries. But before yeah. we do, I must ask you, what is your favorite Nick Cage movie?
1: <sighs> okay. Oh, this is really hard. Um. So I think it comes down to Raising Arizona. I think it comes down to Mandy. Not his action trilogy, which is kind of crazy for some people to think about. But the more I spend time with Con Air, I realize how good his performance is. But for me, it's either Mandy or Raising Arizona, but I'll give it to Raising Arizona. Mm -hmm. Because he's perfection with Holly Hunter. You know, his hairstyle, the whole Woody Woodpecker vibe, the whole fart gag. His whole running scene just his this how animated he is that's yeah in arizona he's a, right? a tex
0: avery cartoon come to life right yeah, it's a, exactly
1: and yeah. it, it just works for me and it really works i know like kind of he didn't work with the cohen's again like he, but i i just think he and holly hunt are so good in that movie and just the vibe of it and the cartoon cartoony vibe so yeah, that's it right there. Raising Arizona. Yeah, that's my number one. Well, so, I feel good with that one. I feel good. Yeah, and it, it is, would it, have been it, only way it could have been better is if his testicles blew up. <laughs> that would
0: come later. Uh, we'd have to wait till 2021 for that. The 80s weren't ready for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Imagine at the end of Raising Arizona. The, the, the biker guy just blows up his balls. Yeah. Right at the end of the movie.
0: now, now you're never gonna have children.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they were wearing little yodas and shit like oh well, they have the pajamas with little, little yodas and shit on them i love that line <laughs> so, so yeah that's yeah raised in arizona i feel good about that normally i feel kind of i don't know but yeah that's it it wears a sleeveless shirt too the movies that feature Nico cage wearing a sleeveless shirt have a much higher imdb and tomato meter rating than all of his other movies there we go so
0: oh yeah and i must ask right. you mark is it Nick, N-I-C, or Nick, N-I-C-K?
1: This one's tough. I, 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 it's N-I-C for me. Like, when I type out Nick Cage, it's Nick. I should just do Nicholas. But I have a friend on, the, on my podcast a lot, Nicholas Rehack, on Movie, Sounds of Flicks. But I, I just call him Nick with a K. But I think since there's an the H there, <laughs> I add the K. But since there's no H in Nicholas Cage, I just go Nick, N I C. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm am I'm a Nick That's I'm try- a guy. I'm,
0: tr- I'm trying to do the research. I'm trying to do the research here, and a- also try to figure out where where people believe that that, that spelling came from. Because I've been informed, I've been informed by multiple people that it's Nick. He preferred his preferred spelling is Nick. Um, I tried to I tried to get Nicholas Cage. An interview, an interview on this podcast, I emailed his manager and I spelled it N-I-C and got reprimanded for it.
1: So Whoa. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. So then that's why the director on the AMA for this was going Nick, N-I-C-K.
0: Yeah. And he, 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 he actually answered that question. Someone went, why do you keep spelling it N-I-C-K? And he said like, well, that's how he prefers, to, that's how he spells it when he spells it.
1: Okay. So then Nick Cage, it's settled. I'll switch, I'll change my ways. It'll take a while. It'll hurt. I'll be yeah. 50-50 for now. And then I'll do like 60-40, 70-30, 80-20, 90-10. Then I'll finally go full N-I-C-K.
0: Well, this doc is so old that I think all the times I spelt Nick, when i when I posed you the questions, I spelt N-I-C. Because I was, I, I was living in the dark for so long, Mark, as well. I was, I was just like you. And uh, I, th- I think we're all under this, like, Mass, I don't know. I don't know if it's like the Mandela effect where we all believe that because he's dropped the H, he's dropped the K. But I can't find anywhere where it's written NIC in any official capacity. Do you know what I mean? Like,
1: Oh, you're right. You know what? I'm just going to say Nicolas Cage from now on.
0: Yeah, because it's never, it's (laughs) never, it's never, it's never says like this film stars Nick Cage. It's always nicholas cage or if it's uh if it's a straight to vod movie it's academy award winner nicholas cage (laughs) (laughs) like brand
1: (laughs) isle starring academy award winner nicholas cage you don't you don't you don't say Kerr russell like you say kurt russell so everyone's just shortening nicholas cage's name for no reason
2: that's a weird
1: that's a weird fact i'm gonna start calling him ker russell (laughs)
0: Kerr Russell, (laughs) Kerr Russell, oh boys, Kerr Russell. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we're getting we're getting into the western vibes, Mark. So let's talk about the old way. But before we do, let's listen to the trailer.
2: I want you to understand how good a woman your mama was. She took Colton Briggs, the coldest killer that I've ever met, and she turned him into a family man. My mama's dead now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Coming in one way or another.
2: Tell me the names of the men who did this. As long as that little girl is alive... There's no room for vengeance.
0: You're protecting a killer. From
2: another killer. Can you teach me how to shoot? Both of
0: you put your hands behind your back. Now, Briggs? Especially that, Rossi.
2: My father wants your gun.
0: I'll blow her brains all over this valley.
1: You ain't scared of nothing. Briggs decides he's coming. Colton Briggs is coming. He's here! Sound like he's the one who's scared.
0: <laughs> my whole life, I'd seen fear in the eyes of every man I ever met.
2: don't Let's do this the old way. Is my father still all good, man You boys. Fuck.
0: So this film was released on January 6th, 2023 in the US and a release date of January 13th here in the UK. And the budget of this film is, I don't know, it is not listed anywhere I could find. And the box office for this movie is, well, it's too early to tell uh, (laughs) what the box office for this is, but yeah, it's got that kind of early January release, which depending on how you look at things, can be, uh, I don't know, a blessing or a curse. It's kind of a bit of like, kind of palate cleansing for a new year. Let's kind of get this out. I'm not sure if there was an element because a lot of the marketing for this film says Nicolas Cage's first traditional Western. Were they just trying to like beat the punch on Butcher's Crossing? Do you know what I mean? Like, are they, are they just trying to, because he's got one, he's got one that I know premiered at TIFF hasn't hasn't no distribution or i don't think has been announced when that film is coming out so i'm not sure if there's an element where they were just trying to beat that beat that to the punch and be like no this is the first first traditional western underline traditional
1: and this marketing though worried me because whenever a gimmick is needed for the movie when it's going nick cage's first western it's not this movie's really good, or this movie will knock your socks off. <laughs> They're going to Cage in his first Western. It's, I get it, right? You, that's what you want to do. A lot of Cage fans want to see him in a Western. Why not? But it's, oh yeah, it worried me just a little bit. But I mean, releasing it in January is smart. You get the Cage momentum rolling. The, the Renfield comm- uh, trailer dropped, so the, his name's out in the press a lot. And then you do a mini drop on this, and I think it'll do well on VOD. I just, I think it's smart because it just doesn't have much competition right now. And, you know, his name's big enough for someone late on a January night going Nick Cage in a Western VOD, you know, I'll buy it 15 bucks. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) I'll rent it for seven. Who cares? Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think there's an intelligence to it. I think Avatar is really popular, but it's kind of winding down. Not too many big releases are coming out. So, I mean, it could be a smart move for the release on this. And and plus you want to get out. You don't want to be the second Nick Cage Western. You can't mm-hmm. market that. Uh, the second, wait, the first untraditional Western that <laughs> Nick Cage has ever made. <laughs>
0: well, what what's quite funny is in, in all of the kind of interviews for Butcher's Crossing, they all kept like kind of saying like, this is like an anti-Western. Do you know what I mean? It's like, from, from, from the word of that movie, it's like showing how bleak actually the Wild West was. Like, it's kind of It's not glamorizing the West as this kind of world of gunslingers and revenge and stuff like that. It's like, no, it was brutal. It was tough. People were, like, dirty and grubby and horrible. And it was violent. And it was kind of like people would just kill you for no reason. There didn't have to be this grand, like, revenge plot. It's kind of like, do you know what I mean? I don't like the way you look, boy. Bang.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's no Kevin Costner in this one. This is Unforgiven. This is Deadwood. Yes. This is listen, the Wild West. Like people think uh, they they dramatize the West, and they they kind of there's the pure good man who has to fight the villains. Like, no, it was a lot of dirt bags moving out there for free land that was yeah, being yeah. taken over from from the Native Americans and the rush for land, and you know a lot of these places were lawless mm-hmm. at the time, and you you know people were moving people are moving out there to just to make money people mm-hmm. wanted money you went out there to make money and so people if you're going out there to make money guess there's going to be bandits on the road killing the hell out of people yeah, yeah. so it's it, this this you're right though this old way is very very much so the traditional high noon type vibe the i mean it's not the same vibe like at all but it's more old timey it's more sort of glorified West where a girl could come back and run her shop and do her jelly beans. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's that kind of stuff, Yeah, yeah. but it's still fun. Like it's still, you know, I bet Cage loved doing it. He got to reenact something from what he loves, but you know, what's interesting. I was reading a lot of interviews about this movie and he's kind of talking about once upon a time in the West and he was referencing a lot of really violent Westerns, (laughs) like a lot of gnarly Westerns, but this isn't quite that. But I, I think he got drawn into this because of the father-daughter vibe. Yeah. I think that's what got him on it. And they cast right, I'll tell you. They uh, yeah. really cast right yeah. for this movie.
0: Ryan, Ryan Kira Armstrong is like, for someone to go toe-to-toe with Nicolas Cage in those scenes and kind of like, do you know what I mean? Be, be, be on a par with him is great. And especially like such, such a young talent. Like, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure how old the character is supposed to be, but like a
1: young girl, right? Like, like what, 12, 13 maybe? Yeah, 12. Twelve, right? I think she's twelve. Yeah, and that and and no, you're, and you know what? I love. You never feel her acting. You never feel the precociousness about it. Because sometimes when you're watching these movies and these kids are wildly precocious, but she nailed this. And I mean, everyone kept saying that she was just sort of. They're like, "Oh, did you have to mentor her?" He's like, "No, she showed up on she showed up on set early every day. Her dad was very professional. They showed up." They did the role. She knew the yeah, lines. Her- Everyone in the crew liked her, and she got away. Like so, it was. He said he was more of a fan than anything, as as opposed to like a mentor. We
0: see we see her dad in the opening scene of this movie. He plays the like the guy reading reading the guy who's about to get hung his rights. Like uh, so, I must interject here as well and say to begin with in this conversation, we're going to be quite spoiler light, and then we're gonna we're gonna let you listeners know when we're hitting spoiler territory. So uh, we'll kind of talk around it and then we'll jump into some of the okay. meat, meat and potatoes of this movie.
1: I'm so glad you said that because I recently did a troll episode where we, Zanani and I, we immediately spoiled the ending. <laughs> <laughs> and I just got to give you better. I got to start writing spoilers on things because, I don't know, you've heard Con Air. I'm just kind of like a pinball machine when I talk. I'm all over the place. I, I, I'm glad you're keeping me in check here.
0: I, had some, I, I saw someone recently on an Instagram story say a spoiler and then say spoiler alert and it's like that's not how spoiler alert works it's like you have to say that before you say what the spoiler is it's like, you don't say it and then go oh yeah by the way that was a spoiler
1: yeah do all caps and then make sure you have to click on the thing that says see more you know spoiler dot 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 you, you, don't, you don't you don't. you
0: don't you don't Tarantino. Do you know what I mean? You don't Tarantino a spoiler alert. You don't got kind of to go, oh, here's the middle of the story. Here's the end. Here's the beginning. Like, no, 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 no. You don't non-linear this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm just not a fan of non-... I'm just a fan of... I hate linear storytelling. <laughs> so I always put my spoilers last. <laughs> spoiler warnings awesome. last. You're like, oh, thanks. Now I know <laughs> that Vader's Luke's father. This is great. Appreciate that. Oh, man. But yeah, this... Okay, so I guess we won't stick to that. But I mean, I, I do kind of love... The, the intro of this movie, they walk to the town and he's just like, Why are we walking to town? Why are we doing this? And he's just being a brat, but then she's the same way. And then I you know, that guy stuck his hands in the jelly bean. I reacted the same way that that Brooke did. That's nasty. Mm. And then she organizes them all and cleans them off. Like that's that's my friend right there. I dig it. It's like I liked how they built that relationship and I, I think they did a really good job with her with what, that character. And remember well I don't want to spoil anything. Well but do you a think where Oh sorry.
0: No, it's gonna say hey, do you think that there is like an unsaid thing in this, because they wouldn't have had the language in in the in the Old West, is that Colton Briggs and Brooke are uh, are on the spectrum, like it, it, in the way their characters are. Because a big thing about their characters, and it's it, you get this quite early on in the kind of setup of this movie, and I think you like you might even get like hints of it in the trailer, is that there is a lack of empathy from both of them, and it's not, and there is like this. There is this thing of her sorting out. She does. She's not told to sort out the jelly beans into colors, but there is this thing that she feels this uh, innate need to do that in that early scene. And it's like for me, and I, I yeah, I, I work within like that. I work in an educational setting uh, with autistic children, and there, there was like a thing in my head going like, "Is is this like a film that is tackling that subject?" But like in a time when they didn't have the language and it's like how that kind of lack of empathy in Colton Briggs's character gets turned into, oh, if that is the case, I've got to be this kind of ruthless, cold-blooded killer. Whereas like now it'd be like, oh no, we can kind of give you the tools to live a normal life. And it doesn't have to be like, you just have to pretend to be like everyone else. You can kind of like, you can get the tools to kind of uh, not fit in. Fitting's not the right, but do you know what I mean? Like live live alongside people and kind of like enjoy your life.
1: No, absolutely. In the beginning, I was kind of wondering, I was like, is he just like a sociopath who's pretending to fit in? What is this guy? But you're right, I mean... Back then, you were just weird, or you were crazy, or mm-hmm. you were that that weirdo down the street. Does that make sense? And mm-hmm. and I think that could be exploited—the lack of empathy. If you're a young kid and you don't have those feelings, that could be exploited because no one knew that that was a uh, you know, uh, something that you know you were born with. Like it, it, like even like World War II. Remember, like at the end of World War II, people were coming back. Any war, people come back with PTSD, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, you're just being a wimp. Yeah. So I think all those times you could be exploited. And I thought that was kind of an interesting played a like, way to sort of tackle the character. But I also kind of thought it really sort of muted Nick Cage in this movie. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. And he, listen, I don't need freak out Cage. Like, you don't need it. But it was yeah. kind of interesting watching this. And he also said in one of his interviews that you're basically playing a robot. So I'm kind of thinking about this movie and, and you sort of hire Nick Cage to play a robotic type character who does find a relationship with his daughter. And they, you know, they, they do have... like. What everything when everything transpires, he does develop feelings for her. But yeah, it's a it's an interesting choice that they went in with, like mm-hmm. having Cage be sort of robotic, mm-hmm. and because they never really discuss it, uh, it was just I, I understand you why they attracted it, you, Cage. You see, but it's like what's up? You
0: see, you see it in some of his reaction shots, right? Like when that guy's telling that story at the beginning, like. Kind of, I've watched this twice just to kind of like really like digest it. And there's like a, there's like the way he's looking. It's like a disdain for the guy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and it did make me think. And I wanted to ask you about this, Mark. How much would you love to see a movie which is just Colton Briggs dealing with the locals' shit whilst working in the general store?
1: A prequel to Clerks. Yeah, yeah, like like Western Clerks. <laughs> western colors. I love that yeah just he comes in yeah I need salt I need jelly beans I need bullets I need meat like and then just a bunch of idiots making him annoyed all day yeah the the,
0: the general stop generally like
1: <laughs> oh, I assure you we are open you know just like he writes that outside and just yeah I mean that would be the movie and you're right though he did have that look of disdain on him he just doesn't understand like he just just watching this guy talk, he, I I bet you he would just be happy if the guy said salt, twenty pounds, mm-hmm. put the money on the table, <laughs> yeah, 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 and, and flour gone, okay, yeah. like uh, that. That's it, that's that's like his ideal customer right there. But yeah, it's yeah. I, w- I want to see that. I want to see clerks. I want to see a clerks with Nicolas Cage now. That could it's work. Set in the West. <laughs> oh man, general st- the General Store. Wait, what was it? Shopkeeper instead of clerks? Shopkeepers? Is that what you would call it?
0: Yeah, merchant. I don't know. Merchants. <laughs> Merchants.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that, it started out. I've really liked how it started off. I, I do. And the, there's a couple things that worried me, though. It's the, the very monologue-heavy villain. But I, I thought they brought in such an eclectic group of villains. I yes. know. Uh, sorry. I know we're jumping ahead. but
0: no, 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 no. You can jump
1: around. How do you feel about monologue villains?
0: Sometimes they work like you've, we've mentioned Alan Rickman earlier in this episode I think like Hans Gruber is a great like monologue villain like and like I think when it's done well it kind of really sells and kind of is a clever way to do exposition and kind of tell us bits and pieces about the characters or give us stuff that we need to know as an audience but sometimes it's handled I don't know differently. Like, do you know what I mean like in this? And we'll we'll, we'll we'll get to some. If he wasn't so monologue-y, certain things wouldn't happen. Do you know what I mean like, <laughs>
1: Yeah. Did you like James McAllister in this movie? Uh, Noah Legros, Legros. Like, did you like that character? Did you like him as a villain? I thought he held his own. I liked yeah. his delivery.
0: Yeah, and like, what, like, what, one of the things I did keep thinking about the villains is apart from Clint Howard's like villain is none of them look dirty enough. Ooh. Do you know what I mean yeah. like grubby? Like like they they kind of they they did look a bit like, oh we've just we've just got this out of the costume department. Like they all seem like they needed to roll around in the mud a bit more.
1: <laughs> you, you know that's that's actually a really good point. They did seem quite clean. But well, that probably comes down to the budget. Like right? you probably don't yeah, have yeah, yeah. eighteen outfits and then that grime probably takes time. Yeah, that's a good rhyme right there for the makeup department. Like, if you need more grime, mm-hmm. it takes time. But, yeah, it's, yeah, they, they were quite clean villains. But I, I guess I Dirty did. Dirty up like,
0: them teeth. Like, I nev- I ne- I, like, that's the thing with, like, period set things, is I'm always, I'm always brought back to the teeth. I'm like, nobody would have that good teeth back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like,
1: It's like Kieran. I remember Kieran Knightley from the King Arthur movie Mm -hmm. when she comes out of that rock. I think she'd been under that rock for like seventy years, and then they pull her out, and her eyebrows and teeth are perfect. And you're just kind of thinking, like, what? What were they doing in there? What was that (laughs) rock? What was that rock working? But I, I I guess I did like the crew because I guess Clint Howard was probably my favorite because he was just saying what everyone should be knowing the whole time, guys we gotta yeah. go like don't well stop. watch
0: just, out watch out Colton Briggs if he's gonna come Colton Briggs is gonna come he's a bad man
1: <laughs> that's a choice though to cast him because that's the performance you're getting <laughs> so it's it was kind of interesting watching this very monologue heavy villain this very uh uh kind of murderous man and then you got Clint Howard running around going watch out for Clint you know like watch <laughs> out man Colton Briggs is coming yeah just shoot him it's the tone bounced a little bit around when he was introduced. But like I said, I mean, keep me on edge. Like if it's all four people being super serious and clean, I think I would have been quite annoyed. Mm-hmm. So like, give me a, give me a weirdo like Clint Howard in there to at least make things a little bit more interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess. And he lands a shot too. Well, yeah. yeah. Oh wait. Oh wait. Is that why I won't say it? I'm sorry. But, uh, <laughs> he lands a shot on someone. Yeah. <laughs> on someone, on someone. Yeah. He, <laughs> whenever he comes in it always well the way he messes with me a little bit
0: the way his character is introduced like like the first first thing that happens to him he gets kicked in the nuts and it's like she kicked me and she got me in the nuts like it's like (laughs) this guy and he's kind of what he's like he almost looks like he's in what's the outfit he's wearing he looks like he's in like some kind of
1: Southern, maybe, maybe he was a southern soldier, yeah, because he's they, got they like the, the little gray. cap
0: on, yeah, he's got, the gray, he's got the gray outfit and like the little cap and looks. I don't know, Clint Howard's got a very unique look, could you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah,
1: you can't miss him. And I mean, it's not blues because I know the North wore blue, so he's wearing like a southern outfit, so he seems like maybe a prisoner of war or a murderer who got put into prison, and then he just kept the same outfit on him for years, yeah, and then Pretty clean, they do good laundry there,
0: yeah. Then you got boots like one of the other guys and Big Mike are the gang. Like,
1: <laughs> It's an eclectic gang.
0: It is. It is. You kind of got, got Boots who's like the guy you could see, like he's probably pushing to one day be leader of a gang. And then Big Mike's yeah. just going along for the fun, right? He's just kind of like, what else, what else would I be doing? Do you know what I mean, I'll either be in a saloon playing poker right now or I'm joining this gang. I guess I'm joining this gang.
1: It'll be more fun. And then Boots just kind of seems to want murder. He doesn't really think about it too much. Yeah. And then James is sort of stuck with the three people he's stuck with.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's that
1: great moment
0: uh with like Boots starts a like ambush before they're supposed to. And then it's him and Clint Howard. And I love Clint Howard. Where he's like he's like on the um Boots like on the next reload, like we're gonna run up that hill. And, like Clint Howard's like, I'm out of here, man. Like I'm getting out. Getting <laughs> well, <the game's> good. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: chewing up the scenery, and yeah. Shooting at, I mean, shooting at Nick Cersei. I mean, justified. Nick Cersei's popping up in this movie to, to add something to that ambush. And we haven't talked about this yet, but it, it, it does lean into sort of Mandy territory again with the whole sort of fridging of the spouse. That's not that's not a spoiler, is it? Because they show it in a trailer. No, that is that is yeah. that is
0: the setup for this. That's the yeah. first twenty minutes of this movie.
1: And I'm very happy that they left it off screen because I just don't even want to deal with that anymore. Because I just feel like fridging is such a, I don't know, it's such a, it's very obsolete. I don't know. But well, once that happened, I kind of went, oh, you know, well, that's all right. I get. I don't know. I don't. It just seems like a lazy way to get someone hunting other people. If that makes sense. Because yeah, and. And like, it doesn't make that, you don't spend that much time with her. So then it doesn't make that much of an impact when he's talking about her later. But I just think there's, I mean, it's better than like kidnapping a child, which they do anyway, but it's, <laughs> it, it's very, it's a just, it, I guess it's very, an, a very ABC plot, I guess. No, no, not, I guess it is, which I guess is smart because then you can focus on characters. There's a lot of character beats in this moment. Yes. You can't do that with a Nolan script. So you need to have a simple setup.
0: I wouldn't even say there's a C. It's A B. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like A to B. There's no like there's no C about it. It's kind of like We get the we get we we get the dead spouse at the beginning. We go on the revenge mission. Like that's a, it. D. Like there's no like kind of I don't know, in other movies you would get like some kind of like turmoil in the middle something happening they come across like something that do you mean like i don't know someone caught in a river and it's like that thing of like does the character save them like does the character let them go i guess we kind of get that when they come across the ambush we get Mm -hmm. we get an element of that but like yeah it's very contained very like minimal cast in this it's kind of like we get we get cage we get um Ryan Kira Armstrong. We get the wife. We get the gang. We get the marshals, and then everyone else. And we, and we get the guy talking about shitty apples. Like, <laughs> but then like you don't yeah you don't really get like that's it. Do you know what I mean? You you know? Yeah, There's there's no
1: there's no uh, you know they're they're on and then there's some other villains they have to deal with who steal their horse and then they have to go get their horse back. Like, you know, it's there's nothing there it's just sort of the journey and but that's smart though because i think that the screenwriter just wanted i mean the whole point of this movie is father daughter Mm -hmm. so i guess if you you keep adding those twists and turns that's more budget that's more days and they were shooting in montana in the middle of nowhere you have a rainstorm that sucks up a lot of money and they didn't have a lot of money so they probably just had to keep it as as minimal as possible and then, you know, you, you, once you keep it as minimal, you have that cool speech by the campfire. Mm-hmm. You have the, the, I mean, that's kind of the highlight of the movie, I would say, aside from the jelly beans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aside from that, that's probably the highlight of the movie. And the, oh, actually my favorite part in the movie is the, the wife has been killed. Nick Cage goes up into his house and into the, his house. He climbs up some stairs and he takes a shotgun and he points it at his daughter and is, wasn't she like, put that down. Or like, mama would be happy yeah. about that. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, mama would be happy yeah. you pointing that gun at me. <laughs> that, that's amazing. And she says it so flat. And then it stymies him. You can see that moment. That's when the movie's at its best. When when Brooke, that's surprising right there. She's sort of playing a very precocious, true grit-esque character. But much more like we said. And and the director said on the spectrum. Like, she's very, doesn't feel that empathy for characters. But I loved her response to him she wasn't afraid and that shook him and uh, that's that's my favorite moment <laughs> of the movie. I, it's a personality
0: well, it's the kind of rage he's in before, right? Because he's kind of gone to his lockbox of like, almost like his, his John Wick-like stash of like, this is, this is the old life. I'm I'm getting the old life. It's not as dramatic as John Wick. He's not breaking through a floor. He's just literally pulling a box out from underneath a desk. Like, oh, yeah. Here it is, the old guns and the old, the old, <laughs> the old duster jacket.
1: Um, <sighs> and he doesn't even old Henry it, where old Henry puts his stuff under at least, I think, a furnace. And Mm -hmm. then you have to kind of dig in the back. Have you seen old Henry? No, 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 no. Tim Blake Nelson. You need, trust me. Trust me. I'll I'll be, I'll be checking it out. It's, it's another Western. It'll change your life. Everyone listening, go watch old Henry.
0: Yeah. And then go
1: watch the old way and then go watch. What's another movie with old, old with M. Night Shyamalan. (laughs) And then, no, that, no, there's, I don't know what else is old. We'll stick with those three. Yeah. Do those three.
0: Triple bell. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs)
1: The old way, old Henry, and old. That'd be very confusing for people.
0: Yeah, it'd be Western, Western. What the fuck is this? (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's a perfect triple header. Yeah, exactly.
0: That's what you need. Maybe sandwich, maybe sandwich old in the middle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What would you end with? I would end, I'd start with old Henry, then I would go with old, and then I would end with the old way. Yeah.
0: Well, oh, I haven't seen old Henry, so I'm getting out of the way first.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's a good picture right there. But yeah, that was my favorite part, though, is when she did that. And then their, their conversations on the road. And then when she helps her dad, when she steps on that guy's leg and has the shotgun and her her interactions with the criminals, like I, I really dug that. And yeah, man, like that was Ryan Kara Armstrong. She really does nail it, but she comes from TV. She's not American Horror Story. She's been mm-hmm. working for a while. So we're kind of talking about her like a child actor, but. She's a pro, <laughs> and you can tell in this movie. And there's been, you know, I, you know, for a second I thought she was in the Conjuring movies because I feel like there's some really strong kid actors in the Conjuring mm-hmm. movies, but she's yeah. not. But then I, I looked up her CV, and she's been at it for a minute. So, yeah, I, what she brought to this movie was probably my favorite part. Like Cage is fine, but I think the person who steals this movie is easily like Ryan Kira Armstrong. I kind of think this is her movie, and I yeah. think Noel Lagross. LaGrosse does some interesting things too,
0: and I think I, I think Cage knows it's her movie as well, right? Mm-hmm. And like I think is it, that that that's a consummate professional, right? Of being like, I'm just kind of I'm kind of getting bums on seats and kind of a bit of window dressing for this movie. I'm kind of like the intrigue, but then the kind of meat and potatoes of it really is this performance and this girl's arc and story and what it, what it means to be. The daughter of someone like this, because like I think I think another title for this movie is Life Lessons with Colton Briggs, and we'll get to yeah. we'll 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 get to in spoiler territory soon, and we'll get to some of those life lessons because I've I've written them down, I've I've kind of written each each life lesson he kind of gives her throughout the movie.
1: Um, oh, I love it, and he, you know he's also a very unselfish actor if you think about it. Let's go <laughs> back to Con Air, John Malkovich and and Steve Buscemi. Linus Roach and Mandy, you know Joe is that is the kids movie Ty Sheridan. Mm-hmm. So he, I think one thing about what what Nick Cage realizes too is how to work in an ensemble. Yeah, what you I mean The Rock you and I mean Rock Face Off he shared the screen with with what Sean Connery and Travolta hamming it up. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool about him that that I think he understood who had the hot hand. He let it happen. And I think he just had fun with it.
0: Hey, look at. even even talking about like working with a child like a like a child uh, uh, actor you look at kick-ass like he really he really lets chloe grace moret shine in that and is kind of the perfect kind of like the one two do you mean he's like the kind of counterpoint to it and like really lets her kind of shine in it
1: yeah and his introduction in that movie was perfect when he when he shoots her but just his real adam west of it all this makes me so happy yeah he's I you know I don't think about that often enough. He he does not mind an ensemble, and I, mm-hmm. I dig that about him here. And he does see, he works well with kids. He does good kid work. I mean, he's not like I think like Robbie Downey Jr. might be like the pinnacle of working with kids because he's amazing in, with that. But not, Cage, he's solid with this with this Ryan Kira Armstrong. I dig it. It's I think when I think about this movie in the future, it's going to be that scene in the bunkhouse. It's going to be Clint Howard running all over the place. (laughs) And then a certain line about the old way, which I kind of appreciate, but yeah, I don't know. Quick question for you. I know we're going to, Oh, we'll do it later. We'll do it later. Well, let's let, let, let's move in to some (laughs) spoiler
0: territory. You darn (laughs) it. varmint. Let's do this. Uh, So yeah, let's really get into the nuts and bolts of this Mark and kind of uh, work our way through it. I don't know. Like, what are some of the kind of you? You've mentioned those more poignant scenes that you really enjoyed. What do you think are some of the like action beats in this? So we get that like opening, opening kind of action set piece. What 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 do you make of that? Were you kind of what were you anticipating? Like what was the I don't know how,
1: with the shootout in the beginning?
0: Yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah. Or, or I'm sorry, with the uh, the ambush. We're, what I like about the ambush is they didn't shoot the deputy or the the U.S. marshal first. Or yeah whatever he is in this movie i do like that that they're kind of like you didn't you didn't shoot the marshal first like you and then that gave them time to pivot they actually tried to flank but then you got this marshal down there who Mm -hmm. knows what he's doing so i think that's a very realistic grounded kind of style you don't really think about that much like no you should have shot the guy who actually is good with his gun at first so i really dug that i mean that was that was but I mean, also, too, the, when you make those decisions, though, you got to realize that you're not going to have a slam bang action scene. You're making a very, uh, a decision that makes sense. <laughs> and so the action scene's good, but it, I don't think, you know, due to budget and all that, it doesn't fully take off. But I, I like that they had that issue about shooting the Marshal first. That was a, a neat wrinkle. And then, you know, the final gunfight was fine. And, but once again, like you, this isn't going to be, open range this mm-hmm. this isn't that movie this is a movie about a father and daughter so it's i feel like the main it's like when you think the action scenes in this movie to me are secondary next to the bonding moments by the fire yeah for them those are the action scenes yeah because this movie
0: what what this film does which i think is a bit of like a risky move is we have characters telling other characters like these like snippets of stories about colton briggs and what he used to be like and there is like there is a bit of a danger the danger to that when you can really plant the seed in like an audience's head where you're going i'd rather be watching that movie do you know what I mean yeah, like, exactly if you're not going to pull out some absolute barnstormer and you're telling us like this thing of like oh this character back in the day used to be a bad guy like he that you know Joey, I mean? like there was this one time with three cowboys he went up against. And it's like you're really amping it up, and it's like
1: you, like I don't know, like he gets plugged by Clint Howard early. Yeah. And were, and, and and I mean, I guess I think it what it comes down to is Cage is a little bit older, they didn't have time, and this is low budget. But mm-hmm. I think you shouldn't show. You shouldn't you shouldn't tell. Telling just gets old. He's so tough. You better watch yeah, yeah. out. Oh, this is going to be bad. That's what the John Wick movie does well with, where I think he kills all those guys in his house, and then the guy goes to Baba Yaga. Yeah, yeah. Like he, so you see what he's capable of, and then they start calling him that. And they lean into that heavily into the second one, but you already know what he's capable of. So it's, that's a smart way to handle it. But this one, it's a lot more talk. Like, oh, we're in him Briggs' house. Yo, man, one time he took a pencil and killed 14 guys with it. Like, it's... <laughs> And and yeah, that's, I mean, I know they show what's in the beginning, but there's a lot of talking in this movie, but once again, you know, maybe that's a problem with the script, but I just don't think they had the money, mm-hmm. And but maybe if you know you don't have the money, you should probably not have those lines, you should maybe condense it down a little bit, so it's keep it in one town, I don't know, but it's, it's still, yeah, the action, <laughs> it's fine.
0: Yes. Yeah. it's fine. It's yeah, cuz you get like that little bit of tension at the beginning right with Cage like you kind of see that he knows like Colton Briggs knows what's going on before everyone else does. Like he can kind of, he's scouted out who's in what windows, who's doing what, who's where. Mhm. And like you kind yeah, of it. get you can kind of, you can you, you get that sense of who he is. And it's we've seen that. We've seen who he is. We don't I don't think we really need people for the rest of the movie like going like do you know what I mean? Like I don't know. He's he's because you're just setting us up for him to be this John Wick-style character that he evidently isn't in the film. Do you know what I mean? He's he's he he is. I don't know. He obviously yeah. probably was a he probably was a bad man, but we're we're what we're twenty we're twenty years down the line because we get that kind of like title card. It's like um, and I love I love the demarcation between. The old, the old way, Colton Briggs, and the new one is he used to have a gnarly mustache.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. This just twenty years go by, the mustache leaves, and now he's wearing suspenders and looking chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Built a beautiful home, by the way. He's got beautiful. A beautiful. He's
0: got a nice little bowler as well. Very like, you know what I mean? Like, a, that's a man of distinction, right there. That's not a man who's up to trouble.
1: Yeah, you rarely see a bowler villain in movies. So yeah, he. He turned he shaved off his mustache he became a good guy. And it, but like the problem is you don't get enough time with the wife either to feel that pain. And Mandy you feel the pain. You mm-hmm. really do. Like that's like that's that's when you get it. And I, I hate comparing everything to Mandy. I just think it does so many things right when but it comes yeah, to that I, genre. I,
0: I, I think the thing with Mandy and I think it's cuz I I I spoke to um uh, Brett Buckman, the editor of that movie, and I think, like, despite a lot of people's, um, I don't know, like, preconceptions of what that movie will be, and their kind of their criticisms towards it, is it takes its time, like, because you think, like, it re- and it really takes its time, yeah. But I think without it taking its time in that first act, the payoff of like or well not payoff but the kind of the grief we feel when we kind of get that exact midpoint moment of like him losing his shit after her being killed you feel it so much more whereas this it's like his wife is dead within the first 20 minutes and even when we get a flashback to her when he's thinking about her later on in the movie it's just the shot of her putting out the laundry that day it's like could you not have just filmed like a tender moment, but between them, do you know what I mean? Or like, or like another shot of her that he's remembering, not like my lasting memory of you is the day you died. Do you know what I mean? Like surely the, the lasting memory, like like in, in Mandy, we get that lasting memory shot and it, you get that thing of her in like a nightclub, like in that kind of wistful light and stuff like that. And it's like, that's that's the memory, right? It's not the, it's not his lasting memory of her is not a burning sack above a, a <laughs> above a fire. <laughs> like,
1: oh goodness gracious! What a it, it, and just yeah, they just show that. And but once again, it, it, I think I don't know how many days they had. I don't, I don't know how much budget they had. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it it does. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. I think when you have such a simple script, though, you kind of need a little bit more from the performers. Yes. on this,
0: and I think you do it, get you do get you oh, do yeah. get people like bat it like. Do you know what I mean? Like doing a serious like yeah, but doing a serious inning with the with what they've got. Like I don't think anyone's phoning it in here. No, 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 no,
1: and yeah, and also too, I just think there's a lot of talking in it. That's fine, but I also think they sort of, I don't know, maybe if you think they deconstruct it a little bit because. He's the baddest dude in the world. He gets plugged by Clint Howard. Yes. <laughs> and like, is that really the baddest dude? Maybe it was all the myths that had been told about him. And maybe it's, you no, know, not every gunfight is going to be open range. I keep bringing up that movie. Uh, but yeah, it's just a gnarly gunfight. They just didn't, that's not the way it works. Like you're probably going to get hit by one of those bullets. And that, you know, the one guy who knew they should, he should everyone should be worried about him. One, like he knew it. Like we should be worried about this dude. And he plugged him. So I guess that's a shrewd move to have in the movie, which is pretty cool. And then I think the final showdown, can we talk about the final showdown? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, it's, I like the concept of it. You can, you can save your daughter, mm-hmm. you know, you can shoot, like it's, it's an interesting concept and then she lives like that's a, that's. And the- there's a great line.
0: There's a great line that calls back to something we see, see in the movie when he says about, um, about when he st- he steals the the cross from a from a grave site and he says it'll be good firewood and he kind of delivers this speech about like, the the dead don't need anything like they had everything they needed in life, like it's kind of, that they're they're, they're they're like yeah they're like they're they're done with and he said um. He says to Brooke at the end, he says, Brooke, I have all I need. See that I'm tended to. And it's like on that moment you know what's gonna happen. But it's like, ah, uh, it's that great kind of like poetry of like pulling back to what, what he said earlier. Like these kind of it's kind of like pearls of wisdom and these life lessons that he kind of teaches uh, throughout the movie. And there there are quite a lot of them, right? There's like it's kind of every scene with those two is is him kind of espousing some wisdom to her about how to get get along in life. And some of it, like, some of it might be for the good, some of it might be for the bad. Some of it, like, but yeah, the things he teaches her. So let's, let's go through these life lessons. But Mark. he
1: understands her. Once yes. he understands her, then he's like, crap, now I got to start helping her deal with the real world. Like, this is what I have to do. So that's, I don't know, that's a smart idea, and I dig it.
0: Yeah, because he he gives like the yeah the first the first life lesson I've written down here is he gives her that speech about to fit into this world you're gonna have to pretend to be like these people whether it's mm-hmm. like you got to pretend to cry you got to cry. pretend to laugh at their jokes you've
1: just got to <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> sorry, and th- sorry that, I'm interrupting you but I'm seeing that scene in my head and it's making me happy
0: yeah and it's like <laughs> and what I love is her like. Not the actress's acting, the character's terrible acting of crying, where she's going, where, where, my baby, my baby. (laughs) And it's like, she just can't get it. She just can't tap into that human feeling of like being able to actually mimic someone because you just don't have the the back there's something there in the bank to draw upon it's like well i've never felt like that how can i how could i do it jimmy do you know mean? it's like it's like someone going hey mark
1: speak russian now like uh,
0: like i don't know
1: <laughs> oh man i couldn't do it exactly <laughs> if <you've> got- <laughs> I, you know, so I would try it would sound horribly i would just try to do like uh, if he dies he dies something from drago from rocky four that's about it yeah, and yeah.
0: ended up doing a Peter Stromer, everyone's favorite everyone's favorite <laughs> Russian who's Swedish.
1: From Armageddon, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the go-to Russian, even though he's from Sweden.
1: <sighs> even when he did his Satan in Constantine, he sounded Russian, which I know. <laughs> it's like, wait, why? I've, yeah. I,
0: I've always had the idea for a podcast, every episode would be really short. It'd be called, I can't believe he's not Russian. Be like, can you believe that Peter Stromer He's not Russian. They go, no, I can't believe it. Episode ended. There we go. Next episode.
1: <laughs> Dolph Lundgren. He played Russians in a couple. What's with Swedish people playing Russian? Yeah. They love it. We, the guy in John Wick was, he's not Russian either. He was Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. You know what's funny? The director of Nobody, he's Russian, and he made sure to cast actual Russians. Amazing. Because he's like, if I, when I go back to Russia... They're just going to make fun of me because like you cast no Russians in a movie about Russians. So he went Russian heavy on nobody just to make sure that there was a couple Russians. Yeah. In the movie, not a bunch of Swedes.
0: I'm going to be putting a gulag otherwise.
1: Has, has Skarsgård, have the Skarsgårds ever played Russians?
0: I don't know. No, they've kind of cornered the market of just playing weirdos, haven't they?
1: Yeah, that's true. Harrison <laughs> Ford and Liam Neeson played Russians, right? In K-19, the Widowmaker. <laughs> That's Irish and Ameri- uh, like you know American.
0: Sean Connery was a Russian in Humphrey, and October, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: so <laughs> many Russians. Was <laughs> so 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 Russian.
1: Da many? Dah. Nostroviar. I should do that. The best Russian accents by a non-Russian actor draft. Yeah,
0: Peter, Peter Stromer's up there. He's pretty, he's pretty fun. What are Russian people
1: thinking? Because a lot of American blockbusters got shoved down their throats. And so they're sitting there watching Armageddon. <laughs> and this Swedish guy is just watching and they're moving they're like, you know, there's, there's a lot of Russians. You could find a pretty good Russian actor here. But I guess he just, Peter Stromer gets Michael Bay's vibe, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's probably like, he's probably like, yeah, I'll do, I'll do it. Like, and,
0: I, and I think it's pretty progressive as well. That he's not a bad guy. He's 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 pretty like he's he, he's trying to do good as well. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. He doesn't try to blow up the whole
1: mission. Half. Yeah, through. that's that's Garland Green. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, he's in that as well. That, I like these <laughs> Jimmy's space movies or going going in the air films. Yeah, that, we'll call
0: them. yeah, yeah. That's some, that's some cons in the air right there, right? They, they've definitely got rap sheets, the, the, the crew of Armageddon.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. They don't want to pay taxes, misdemeanors. Yeah. That's funny.
2: <laughs>
1: right. in uh, 90, Oh yeah, back on the movie, sorry. Then, no worries. Yeah, 90s <laughs> were wild.
0: <laughs> Even more wild. 97 is,
1: was a terrible year for traveling too, like Event Horizon was a bad year for travel, or like a bad travel Con Air was in 97. There was a bad, a lot of bad trips in 97 if you just look through those movies. I'll, I'll leave you with
0: waiting. this, is that Armageddon is in the
1: Criterion collection. Yes. <laughs> I want that copy and I want that commentary. I, I don't know I, how to get that. That's expensive now.
0: I've got, a French, I've got a French DVD Criterion of Armageddon. And luckily for UK listeners, is all of the Criterion special features when it was released on DVD were just ported over to the like special edition release in the UK. So, like, on the commentary for Armageddon, you get like, oh, f- thanks for Criterion for putting this together, even though it's just like a, a standard edition, like a standard release of the movie. And you get like, <laughs> you get, I-, I will say this now, I've said this before, I've covered Armageddon on this podcast. Um, is, Armageddon has arguably the best commentary track of all time. You have got uh, Ben Affleck, maybe like two or three beers deep, just talking shit and being really <laughs> honest, like mentioning the fact that he said to Michael Bay, would it have been easier to train astronauts to drill as it, as it would be for to, to, <laughs> to, to train drillers to be astronauts? to which Michael Bay told him to shut the fuck up. And he tells a story about the fact that Michael Bay made him, paid for him to get new teeth. Which is wild.
1: <laughs> that one is wonderful. The Bubba Hotep, there's a Bubba Hotep commentary where Bruce Campbell watch, does a commentary where he's Elvis, watching Amazing. Bruce Campbell play Elvis, which is a pretty wonderful commentary the crazies has a good one too i like brock eisner i digress has nick cage ever done a commentary i don't
2: think he has
1: has Has he have i listened to one no i don't think so kurt russell does a good commentary a lot of laughs
0: yeah i'd love i'd love to i'd love to have a cage one i'd love to like i'd love to have a cage one of a movie that he's not in imagine cage's commentary to like the cabinet of dr caligari just Cage watching oh. a film he really
1: enjoys. And Paddington 2.
0: Yeah, or Cage watching like Seven Samurai. Imagine like four hours of Cage just going, wow, I love the way the Mifune moves. Like-
1: <laughs> I want to see him talk about Ernest Goes to Jail, which has a lot of similarities with Paddington 2, as you yeah, know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So I found like 20, 21 reasons. <laughs> Just letting everybody know because you're a mad. Movies.
0: It's because you're a madman, Mark. And I, a, <laughs> this is, this is one of the reasons I wanted you on the podcast. Uh,
1: so, Sorry. I'm not more crazy on this episode. No. I, uh, I'm, I'm trying to be lucid on this one.
0: Back to some life lessons from Colton Briggs. Oh, the yeah. next one is sleep for 30 minutes every four hours. That way you'll have enough energy to kill the men once you catch up with them.
1: Yeah. I love that one. No, we need to sleep. Why? Because we don't want to get there tired. That's a great, yeah. That was we d- good. We I don't want like a lot. Yeah,
0: we we don't want the horse to die from exhaustion.
1: Like it's like, it's, yeah. When he said that, I'm like, that makes sense. I like yeah. that. I mean, you don't need emotions to understand that one. That's you get factual. you get something
0: similar as well. It's like, oh, shouldn't like I heard gunfire. Shouldn't we go? It's like, some men will run to gunfire. Other people will, will like run away from it, like kind of thing. He's like, like we'll get there. we we'll, we'll, we'll fig- <laughs> Either way, we'll figure out what happened once we get there. It's like I love yeah. it. I lo- like, um, another life lesson is dry wood burns brighter. Mm-hmm. So you need you need that dry wood. He teaches her how to cauterize a wound. That was good. Yeah, that's like that. I think that is that moment of like
1: shoulder surgery
0: that is that moment you get in a Western where it's like somebody's had their horse stolen or somebody's in the river and you have to go fi- You have to go save them. Right. It's that thing of like, is there any humanity to Colton Briggs? And it's like, it could go either way. Cause he's made the guy bite down on a stick. Like you think maybe they're going to shoot him or torture him in some way. And they, they're actually, they want to dig out the bullet and cauterize the wound for him. It's like, We're going to do what we want to do. We want to hunt down these guys. We want the names. But at the same time, we're going to, you can do what you need to do after the fact. And he kind of, um, well, he he says this to the marshal. But these men are not walking out of this canyon. If I get to Santa
2: Rosa and there's no James McAllister, no Mexican girl, no gang
0: of four, I will come back here and I will kill these two men before you can return with help. And then I will wait for you. And no matter how many men you bring back with you, I will kill you first. I will kill you
2: before you even see me. Do you understand?
0: Which is a pretty badass speech, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would take him seriously. Yeah. I mean, he has his reputation, but also the way he looks at you and talks to you. Mm-hmm. You know, you get those people. I was a bouncer for years. And you get those people who are full of bluster and you're like, yeah. Uh, you're not a problem but some dude talks to you like that you're like yeah yeah, all right (laughs) fair (laughs) enough cool but like i also like that his life lessons are very practical yeah they're not so like you don't need to understand empathy or feelings to give that advice Mm -hmm. if that makes sense and i I think that works well that's written well into the character so i dig that well the one
0: that burgeons on feeling i don't know i get no i guess this is really practical as well as the dead don't need anything is a is a, is a life lesson he teaches her. And then he teaches her to shoot a gun, which, like, yeah. it's something like, like that's the thing. And, like, it had me thinking, I've never fired a gun, but, like, it's that thing of, I, I, I kept trying to think of it, like, where he says, don't pull the trigger, squeeze it. And it's like, yeah, yeah you, you, you're you trying to, you're trying to take away that ricochet at the same time, trying to push back on it as well. It's like, yeah, that guy, you can kind of, I don't know, you can see the way his mind works and it is this practical mind. And you can see he's very um I don't like what is it? Uh, he's very like
1: effect driven. Do you know what I mean? Like exactly. he's very like it's like th- this. As a researcher, leads to I this. love it. You do this because of this. Yes. And I, I dig that too. And and then she shoots the shotgun. She's like, Do you have something smaller? You have, do you have a pistol? Like mm. that made me happy too.
0: And I love that it's, cut that happens in there where you see like there's the two shots in the hat and it's like, oh, she's a dead shot of a pistol then.
1: Like, yeah. Shoot. See, that's the best storytelling. When they show, mm-hmm. they don't tell. Because you see it and you're like, oh, okay, cool. And then, you know, I know she talks to him like that. She's like, Mama wouldn't be happy with you pointing a gun at me. Like, that's good. Like, that's, that's when the movie's at its best, I think, is mm-hmm. when it shows you those things and has those moments. But I, I love those little holes in the hat. That was a good touch.
0: Yeah, we get we get the great again, a little life lesson, how to scout out of town. And you get it with him telling her the plan with the plan happening, which again is great kind of filmmaking. You kind of get it in like heist movies a lot and stuff like that, or like a kind of think about like the Oceans movies where you'll get them like talking through the plan, but like the filmmaker is showing us the plan going ahead. And like, obviously it goes, in this case goes wrong. And we get to, we get to that great thing of Chekhov's, Shitty Apple Tree, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And they just check out Shitty Apple Tree, and then they just look at her saddle. I'm like, oh, yeah, we know you. We saw you walking into town. That was, it wasn't the best plan mm-hmm. by Colton Briggs. Do you like the name Colton Briggs? I do. Colton Briggs.
0: Colton this Briggs, summer. yeah.
1: This summer, Colton Briggs. This does, summer. Does that sound like Briggs a country
0: Colton. and western like, singer. Do you know what I mean? Like, what
1: it, What's better, Colton Briggs or Briggs Colton?
0: Colton Briggs. (laughs) Briggs Colton sounds like... I'm trying to think what...
1: This summer, Briggs Colton is...
0: Briggs Colton. It sounds like a place, do you know what I mean? Briggs Colton. Briggs Colton. Like, Joey, yeah. <laughs> like, where you going?
1: Briggs Colton We're going down Albion. to
0: Briggs Colton, okay? We're going, find some, uh, we're, going to, we're going to find some people who want to join, join our posse, and we're going to he- head over to Tennessee, okay? We're going to go to Briggs Colton and recruit Colton Briggs.
1: <laughs> there it is. Yep. Yeah. Briggs- you did it. Briggs Colton. Yeah, Briggs Colton's a town. Yeah. Briggs Colton. United. Ryan Reynolds buys it. It Does another documentary. Yeah. (laughs) Wild.
0: Wild. Wild hearing him and Rob McElhinney try and pronounce, like, British places. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Okay, guys. (laughs) 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 We're going to go down
1: to Briggs, Colton.
0: We're going to go down to Glastonbury. Okay, guys. Glastonbury. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <You're> fucking... <laughs> I, I know nothing about football, so I don't think Glastonbury have a, have a formidable team that Wrexham are going to be playing anytime soon.
1: <laughs> well, they just got to watch out for Briggs-Colton. Other than yeah. that, they'll be fine. They'll yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I know I, I interrupted there, but yeah, Colton Briggs, Colton Briggs. And it just seems seems like a, like a Patrick Swayze name from the 80s. This yeah. summer, Patrick Swayze's Colton Briggs. Yeah. He can dance. He can fight. He can drive a truck. He can, this summer. He, he can Patrick rip your throat Swayze. out. Yeah, <laughs> like Mind Fury. That's the name of the movie.
0: <laughs>
1: Mind um,
2: Fury. Driving, I don't what, see
0: that
1: now. <laughs> Sorry. No worries. Um. So we mentioned Are you Still Dawn with with Patrick Swayze. No. So it's a really cheap sci-fi knockoff but they didn't have time to train him how to fight, so they knew he knew how to dance from Dirty Dancing. <laughs> so a lot of his fighting is just very, like, balletic. Oh, type amazing. Of these, very dancerly sword fights. But it, he gets punched once in the movie, and I swear it's a real punch. It's one of the greatest all-time punches of cinema. <laughs> so just watch the beginning of it. He fights some sand people. And watch just watch the beginning of uh, Steel Dawn.
0: Oh, that's, that, that's queued up. That's queued up. Uh, <laughs> so you talk talk about Colton Briggs, and we talked about earlier about the fact that to differentiate between old Colton Briggs and new Colton Briggs with a mustache. Who, who wears a mustache better in this film? Is it Nicolas Cage or Nick Cersei? Who's who's? Oh, Nick Cersei.
1: Nick Cersei. Nick The mustache in the beginning wears him. Yes. Like, I tell people, mustaches only work when, like, you have to wear the mustache. The mustache can't wear you. Yeah, you don't mention right. you don't mention the mustache.
0: Do you know what I mean? Like I think if you're if you're too self conscious about it, you're going like I don't know, you're kinda of pushing out the top lip a little bit, you're kinda of being like mm, it's the mustache. Whereas if if you just got a mustache, you're just like living your life. Like people look, you're like, hey, it's me. Like I yeah. Hey, I watched Top Gun too. I watched Top Gun Maverick. I had a mustache for a bit. Like Yeah. And I just Wild wore that killer. shit. I just wore that yeah. shit.
1: Like Miles Teller wears it. You see, like you wouldn't double take that mustache, but when you see that mustache on Nick Cage in this, that's a double taker. You're like, oh, that doesn't feel right. That. Well,
0: you're looking for the glue as well, right? You're looking for the glue
1: on that tash. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, listen, he he's had better mustaches in the past. Like I think Raising Arizona is is a perfect one. Perfect. Like that's a great mustache. Deadfall, kick ass. He has a great mustache. Mm -hmm. I think I mu-
0: mustache extensions as well in that.
1: <laughs> I think he knows how to wear a stash. In The Trust he has a decent stash. I just think this one doesn't do it for me. This one doesn't do it. So I'm giving it to Nick Cersei.
0: Oh yeah, that mustache in I uh, the, the Trust is great. That's one of those hidden gems in that in that kind of in that doldrum of kind of straight to VOD stuff,
1: like it's a gnarly movie. Yeah. It's a mean
0: movie. I I have said, I've said this on Twitter a lot, and I'll say this on the podcast just in case it, it falls upon his ears. I've always said to, to Elijah Wood that if he comes on this podcast to talk about that film, I will do a Tabasco Lemon live on the podcast in front of Elijah Wood.
1: Oh. We got to get him.
0: Yeah, it's got, it's got to happen, right? We got to have, like, he's a guy who's worked with Cage in front of and behind the camera, he produced Mandy and Color Out of Space. So he's probably got a lot of Cage stories.
1: I love what he's doing, too, out there with, with you know, the draft house and pumping out. some. And I also like that movie. What was that movie he was in where he's a weird little guy who shows up to his dad's house that he hasn't seen in years? Come to daddy. He's good in that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one's funny.
0: Yeah, and he's going to be in
1: season two of
0: Yellow Jackets as like a kind of uh, counterpart to christina ricci's character so it's like he's gonna play a little weirdo in that as well it's like him and him and daniel radcliffe have kind of done the best thing with post massive franchise entertainment have gone you know what i'm gonna do whatever the fuck i want like daniel radcliffe's like i'm gonna play a farting corpse jet ski yeah (laughs) yeah i'm 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 gonna play literally the figment of a of a mentally ill man's imagination for, in a movie. And, and I'm going to play, I'm going to play Weird Al Yankovic. Like, yeah.
1: I'm going to lose 40 pounds and go to the jungle. Like, he does not care. Yeah. I love that about these two guys. Like, put weird, like, you got the money. You're going to keep making the money off these movies. So do some funky stuff. And they are. Like, I love it. They're putting their money towards that. Oh, yeah. So one so you, f- you would actually, You would actually put Tabasco sauce on a lemon wedge and do that. Yeah. That's a lot. Hey, if,
0: if, if, if it means I'm chatting to Elijah Wood, I, I might have to do it. I, I'm not sure if I'd do it at the beginning of the interview. or the, I, I, I guess it's got to be right at the beginning, right?
1: Yeah. Get out of the way.
0: Get it out of the way. It's a, it's a mood setter. It's a tone setter for the, for the conversation. <laughs> this is, this, this Elijah is who you're dealing with. This man right here. <laughs> As I'm like crying from the spice.
1: And then it sets good expectations too, because he's like, "This is what I'm in for. This will be fun."
0: Yeah, you know what? I even do it. i would like, yeah, it'd be like, it'd be like my version of Hot Ones, but it's just me doing them,
1: <laughs> and then crying while you talk to people. <laughs> I've never watched Hot Ones. The it good?
0: It's all right. It's kind of like there's only so much depth you can get into a conversation whilst eating a hot wing, right? That gets incredibly spicy.
1: Man, I drank three quarters of a bottle of Dave's Insanity Sauce in college, and I can't do hot sauce anymore. That was terrible. I burned a hole in my stomach. Oh. It was really bad. Yeah. College. I know,
0: I know people who have done, like, spicy challenges and ended up in hospital. I'm like, nah, yeah. not for me. <laughs> yeah,
1: fine. don't do it, people. Don't be like me in college. And really? No one was around. It wasn't even peer pressure. I just did it. <laughs> I think if I wish people would have been pressuring me into it cause I wouldn't have done it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Those There were <laughs> people go going, no, look, I reckon someone had the
1: smarts to be like Mark, like maybe don't. Do it. Wait, do you tell me not to do it? Like Mark, you, you, we were going to peer pressure and you weren't going to do it. Now you're telling me not to do it. And you're going to do it. I'm a contradiction. <laughs> wrapped in an enigma contradiction (laughs) contradictions starring Nick Cage (laughs) you tell me to do something I'm doing the other the contradiction it needs to be called yeah yeah yeah. not the contradiction the contradiction and team up again with Elijah Wood yes please I'll have it I'll have it Panos Cosmatos directs it the contradiction oh Sounds I'm like concerned. a Gene Hackman movie from the 80s.
0: Well, oh, yeah. It's, 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 no, it sounds like The Conversation. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. It sounds like The Conversation. That's where your mind went. Your mind yeah. went to yeah. Francis wow. Ford Coppola's 1974 Coppola. movie, The Conversation. Gene Hackman playing saxophone whilst he's wrecked his whole apartment.
1: <laughs> we need that in The Contradiction. Yeah, But like uh, two, two saxophones with both of them wrecking their apartment. <laughs> a remake of The Conversation called The Contradiction Directed by Roman Coppola.
0: Imagine, like, imagine for a second the conversation with Nicolas Cage as the Gene Hackman role and Elijah Wood as the John
1: Cazale role. Oh,
0: perfect.
1: We need it. We need it. The contradiction. 2025.
0: Is is Robert Duvall in that film? He is, isn't he? He's He's the, like, he's the manager of the company. That can be Peter Weller. I know that Panos Cosmos likes him.
1: Yeah. Linus and Roach needs to pop up.
0: Linus Roach can be the um can be the Harrison Ford character.
1: Yeah. We got it. This is it.
0: There you the go. And then you've got
1: you've got you've
0: got uh Andrea Riseborough back as um Harry Cole's like girlfriend that he goes to see. There you go. There we go. The the the, the contradiction. It's it's the conversation <laughs> for the twenty first. century.
1: Why not century. just call it the conversation? Why not? Because we, we wanted to call it the contradiction. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. Uh, well, But it's a conversation. Well, it's a contradiction. Just do it, you, Coppola.
0: The conversation, one thing that could be said about that film is it has a fantastic score by David Shire. And one thing that could be said about the old way is Andrew Morgan Smith's score. is an absolute barnstormer. The music mm-hmm. to this film is fantastic.
1: Very good music. And you know what's interesting, too? It it never, it didn't hit me too hard. You know, I was watching a movie called Dark Blue the other day with with Kurt Russell, and the score just took me out of the movie. It's like, like, no, no. But yeah, the old way, when it, it never took me out of it, I think it plays very complimentary to it. I dug it. And it hits when it needs to hit. It's a good score. It is. I think a good score, you know, for me, I feel like a good score hits you maybe like the third time you watch it. And the, I mean, there are exa- you know less of Mohicans, I think hit the first time I watched it. Two Towers did for sure, but there are movies I think where you realize the score later, and you kind of like escape from you know like I don't know a lot of Carpenter stuff I realize later, and it kind of hits. So yeah, no, I dig it. I mean, listen, this is a good production. These people know what they're doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's really interesting that the the director was quite candid on a recent like Reddit AMA like. Um about this film is somebody asked him and I think they were being quite sniffy like in their kind of question and he handled it really well because they asked him about like oh your like previous films like I've noticed you've done one of the the string of like Bruce Willis straight to VOD movies and like basically kind of slagged off his career up until this point and he kind of said yeah I've, I've done movies in the past to pay the bills yeah. And he's he like... This was
1: the first one he liked, right? This is the first one he liked. This and liked.
0: one other. Yeah, this and one other movie is like, that have kind of had a personal connection to him. I think he's mentioned the fact that he has daughters. So I imagine, like, three. there is... Yeah. He's got three daughters, so that he's going to have some... Some, like, do you know what I mean? There's going to be a through line with this movie of, like, oh, that's something that I kind of want to speak to. And I like that. Like... I like, I, I I sincerely hope that there's some sincerity and honesty to saying that. Do you know what I mean? There's they, a the cynical part of me, and I would think that, like, oh, he's just saying that to sell this movie. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, all the other ones have been shit, but no, this one I really like. But it's like, you don't have to say that. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to say, yeah. like, some of the movies I've done are oh, shit. Like, and I, I, I can hold my hands up to it and, like, I'm sure if Nicolas Cage, like, if you sat him down, he would say, yeah, kind of, I did need to pay some bills then. And I think he has said that. Do you know what I mean? He's like, I got in some financial strains, and I had to just make some movies.
1: <laughs> I show up on set for two weeks, I make a mill. Yeah. Get over yourself. Like, that's easy money. I'm going to do it. I got, do, I I got dinosaur skulls to apprentice. pay off. Do
0: you know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and listen, the director loves this movie. It's, it's not made up. You, you know, I think you see press tours sometimes where you just know that people aren't that into the movie, but this director loves it. Like he is, he got Nick Cage for a Western. I think he got a really good performance out of his child, his kid actor, which he, you know, he was, he saw like a 500 editions. As soon as he saw her, as he said, he left the restaurant he was in and was like, Sh- that's her. We got her. Yeah. So I think he's very proud of this movie. I, I, yeah, I mean, and also too, if, if he didn't, wasn't influenced by his daughters, there wouldn't be so many scenes in this movie where they're talking about crosses, they're talking about surgery, they're talking about crying. Yeah. There's a lot in here for a father-daughter. So I don't think he's bluffing when he says that, if that makes sense. You can tell he really liked this movie and he, he really enjoyed making it, I think. and one hundred Yeah, I mean, that, I feel nothing but earnestness when he talks about that.
0: Yeah, that's a really, no, that's a really great point about like, and I, I think there is a sincerity and and earnestness to this movie that kind of I hope that people check it out for that. And I do think like despite like some of the reviews so far and we don't normally talk about Rotten Tomatoes scores on this, but it's kind of interesting to kind of look after thirty one reviews, this is at thirty nine percent. And I think I don't know, from kind of skimming some of the reviews you can you can see their points. Do you know what I mean? I guess if you're looking at the pantheon of western movies and stuff like that but i i think in general like this is yeah this this fits the mold of the traditional western and it kind of it does it in a, a fun way it's not it's not breaking it's not breaking what the western is it's not trying to reinvent the wheel it's kind of let's just get the posse together and ride out for one last time kind of thing. And it's kind of, it, it, it's, it's fun in that respect.
1: And, and listen, how many Westerns have featured brutal murderers that are just seemingly normal people? There were killers out there. There were sociopaths, there were psychopaths, there were people on the spectrum who weren't diagnosed yet. So, you know, you, you kind of glamorize all this violence in the world, but then you also got to look at, you know, who were these people that were out there? Like who, like, I think it tackles a different area of violence of those types of characters that were known for the violence. Mm-hmm. So at least it tries something new. But I do listen, I, I've looked at thousands of reviews in my career, and I do think there are preconceived notions when it comes to Nick Cage films. Now, I don't think this movie is is an 80 percenter. I don't think it's going to be I don't think it try. I don't think I don't think it ever wanted to be that. But I do think when people watch a Nick Cage movie, they they want the freak out. They want the insanity and this movie doesn't do it. It's again, it's him being kind of robotic esque dealing with his daughter. Like it's teaching her lessons because he probably knows he's not coming back. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you got to look at it as that. And I know we kind of talked about some of the flaws of it, uh, and, but that's fine. I mean, I think we get, just got to understand where it's coming from, but I, I do think, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. There's enough there to enjoy. I would put mm-hmm. it firmly and like, like you know one end is is his worst directed like u.s indianapolis or uss indianapolis all those kind of movies and then mandy like this this would lean more towards mandy than it would some of his other stuff and just because of the supporting cast in this and some of the ideas so yeah that's yeah but i think if this movie ever jumped above 60 i'd be a little shocked because Mm -hmm. it's a little too chill it's
0: it's, it's currently got an eighty-nine audience score, but yeah, that's I
1: think <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, that's good, and yeah, you know, I think audiences will like. And like, you know, imagine watching this movie, and you just—I didn't expect the father-daughter relationship to be so strong. I have a sixty-month-year-old daughter, so like, mm-hmm. I was watching this, it definitely hit me pretty hard. So I dug it. Like, I liked the—I liked her a lot. She was yeah. cool. Like, she was the actor—the actor in that. She was really good. And yeah, I think it's worth watching. I think I would put this ahead of a lot of his other movies. For sure,
0: yeah. I, th- and I think that there is. The- I think there's an expectation, especially of Nicolas Cage now, because we're, we're we're kind of in a post-pig world. Do you know what I mean? And it's like <laughs> yes, everyone yes, kind of expects yes. everything to be of a certain caliber,
1: and it's if, it, if this came out in 2019, mm-hmm. what what different the
0: conversation? I think different conversation,
1: different, completely different. Like, oh yeah, this would this would be in the this would be. 50s, 60s, I think people yeah. just go, Oh, this is better. But yeah, you're right. The, but, but that's a problem with Cage Show. You see Pig and you're like, Holy moly. And but, then you see Unbearable and you're like, Jeez Louise. And then so you just, but then he tips you up but, and down. But and there's I love stuff
0: it. that like you could imagine he would might have signed on to this before Pig. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's like, or even if he didn't, he's still doing stuff because he sees something in the script whether it is a low-budget film, whether it is a massive-budget film, like, just a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, we kind of had a little look forward at what Nicolas Cage is coming up. And he is in a lot of interesting stuff with a lot of interesting people, and, like, um, whether it's, like, a, a dream scenario, which is, like, an A24 production, where, like, he, again, like, almost looks kind of... He's prostheticed up with like a big fake nose and like a balding like a balding hair and stuff like that. And the, the the plot synopsis for that like looks great. He's like kind of playing some professor. So it's almost like he's stepping back into adaptation territory, or he's
1: Yes.
0: Please. He's working with Osgood Perkins. So uh, Anthony Perkins. Oh, I love, wait, which one's son. that? Um it is called Black, a Lot, The Black, Black Code's uh, daughter
1: is one of my favorite Like, that's one of my favorite horror films of the 21st century. Yeah, so he's... A masterpiece. It's
0: called Long Legs, and apparently it's like a kind of twisted Pinocchio story.
1: Yes. I love Oz Perkins. Have you seen Black Hood's Daughter?
0: No, I need to check out that, and I really want to check out, uh, is it Gretel and Hansel he directed as
1: well? A lot of triangles in that one.
0: Yeah, so, like... And, and yeah, he's, he's, he's got, he's, he's got, yeah, he's he's got Renfield coming up. So he's, he's kind of, he's still using that pit, post pig cachet to get into these like big stuff, but he's still doing this fun, small stuff. Um, so is there anything we've missed in this film that you, you feel like we should shine a light on at all, Mark?
1: We covered a lot more than I thought we would. So I'm, <laughs> I think this is great. Uh, yeah, I, I like the style of this show. I miss about 70% of the movie on Movies, Films & Flicks podcast. So it's, because it the conversation goes all over the place. So I kind of dug absorbing, and, like, absorbing this, thinking about this. This was a great discussion. I'm glad I came on.
0: Thank you so much. Well, I must ask you a couple of questions before I let you go out into the world, uh, Mark, and live, li- live in the old way. Uh, the first is, does Nicolas Cage's character in this film have bad hair? He's known for having some wild hair in some no. of his movies.
1: What 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 mustache, reckon, Col- not great, but it's fine. It's fine hair. It's... Yeah. yeah, I mean, he has a hat on most of the time. Yes. But yeah, it's, it's good. It's good hair. I would give it, I like the sideburns. I'd give it a solid, on the cage scale of things, I'd give it a A-. minus.
0: Yeah, he's, he's let down by a mustache.
1: Oh, gosh. Oh, I can't look at that thing. <laughs> it looks like a, oh, gosh, I don't like it. Yeah, it
0: looks like a baby no. ferret's crawled onto his upper
1: lip. <laughs> yeah, I don't know <laughs> what it is. It's just it's, ugh, It looks like the bat symbol got cut in half or something. I don't know. I don't like it. I can't explain it.
0: Something you'll probably be well-versed in from watching every Nick Cage film is sometimes he goes a bit wild in his voice. Does he do a crazy voice in this film at all?
1: Not really. I mean, the cadence is different because of who his character is, but it never pulls me out of it, like color out of of space or a deadfall. So Mm -hmm. no, no crazy voice. Adequate. Makes sense for the character.
0: See... I the thing is, I'm I'm cor- correlating all this data, Mark. I don't actually know what I'm going to do with it yet. So may, may, maybe off air, we may may have to at some point have a conversation about what to do with all of this data I've correlated of uh, of of what this means for Cage's career. <laughs>
1: Let's talk. I would love to help you out. That'd be awesome. Um, I'll be on. I'll be an advisor, and you can post it. Get all the like whatever you need for <laughs> advising. I got your back. <laughs>
0: Something that Cage is famed for is his freakouts. We've kind of touched upon this throughout our conversation, but do we get a classic Cage freakout in this film?
1: No, and I'm glad we didn't because I <laughs> feel like it might have been exploitative. Yeah, like there are some some directors really do exploit his freakouts, but this one doesn't go for it just because of the robotic nature of the character. So I don't it, think it does. Yeah, the
0: closest you get is like he doesn't even freak out. Like when he's in the barn. <laughs> Yeah. You, kind of, you kind of see some flecks of emotion on him and the kind of loss that he has for his wife, which is like natural. It's like you don't need another Mandy Bathroom freak out there because it'd be like it's derivative for one and it's kind of, it's not what this character warrants.
1: Yeah, it would have been exploitative. I'm glad they didn't do it. Perfect.
0: So um, based on this film alone, Mark, is Nicolas Cage the greatest actor of all time?
1: No. <laughs> no, no. uh There's, it's a fine performance. It's an interesting performance. I like what he did, but no. I think no, no. uh uh-uh. Not even close. Uh, 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 but uh, it's fine. It's not. I'm not saying it's bad.
2: Yeah,
1: I'll take that. But like, if I watch Deadfall, I'd be like, well, maybe he is. <laughs> like, <that's, laughs> like, does that make sense? like If he can not, do this, he's got a bit. It's too. It's too neutral. I would say. Yes. So,
0: yes, no. yes, 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 Neither column A or column B. It's kind of, it's, it's yeah, it's straddling the two. Um, so this is, yeah, this is your chance to kind of curate a double bill of Nick Cage films. What do you think would make like the perfect double bill with The Old Way from Nick Cage's back
1: catalogue? Oh man, this is tough. So I, I want to have him be a dad. I think he needs to be a dad. And I think it needs to kind of, this sort of deals with the westerns. That guy, he has a dad. He's got... kick-ass. Nice, nice. Same movie, kind yeah. of. <laughs> Not really, yeah. but you so, know what yeah, I mean.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah. those two characters have a have, uh, basically have a similar arc, right?
1: Yeah, so, you know, single father uh, <laughs> teaches daughter how to kill.
0: Teaches daughter how to kill, and eventually sacrifices his own life.
1: That's right. So, I'm gonna do kick ass uh-huh. in the old way.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go with, sticking on the Western vibe. I'm gonna go with um, Red Rock West, a neo Western noir, just because I've, I've shouted about this so many times on this podcast. It is a massively underseen Nicolas Cage film, and I think it just doesn't get talked about enough. And um, anyone listening cast. in the UK by the Signal One Blu-ray release of Red Rock West, which features a video essay from yours truly. So please buy that so they may hire me once more. Uh, Mark, on that note, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. But before I let you go, where can people find you and all the the plethora of podcasts and places Uh, that you you write for?
1: I'm busy, man. But I want to say I really appreciate your hustle. From someone who doesn't sleep and is is always hustling, like I appreciate your hustle. Like I think that's how you make it. You have got to hustle. Like, there's so much content out there. I'm glad to see that you're you're doing really well, man. Like that's X, man. that's really cool. Like I I respect fellow hustlers. But yeah, so uh, <laughs> movie films on flicks, movie films on FLX. That's uh, a podcast. You can check us out anywhere. It was cool. I was, we were just number one in Belgium. Uh, we were number one in <laughs> Trinidad and Tobago. Number one in Gambia. I was number one in Ireland recently. Number three in France. Like it's doing well, man. MFF wow, is. Amazing. Uh, is is getting up there, man. We're building that brand. You can listen to Deep Blue Sea the podcast. You can listen to Con Air the podcast. And then you can go to Rotten Tomatoes. Type in Mark Hoffman, Rotten Tomatoes. You can read my articles for them. Go to Verses on YouTube. You can watch the videos I work with on Mark Ellis there. I do videos for the film theorists. So if you go to filmtheory.com, type in my name. You can see all my videos I've done for them and then I also work for fandom where you can uh, they release honest trailers and then sometimes I'll do a buy the numbers video for them. So I have one of Dragon Ball Z coming out. I have a John Wick one. I have a Chris one so you can go check out my videos there at fandom. I have other things too. (laughs) I don't know what there's I got a few other things. But yeah, that's I don't sleep. It's awesome. I love life. I get well, where, about where, movies.
0: Where, 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 where will you post about this if you do post about it? Where's the oh, best uh, place to find yeah, you? Oh,
1: yeah, Movies, Movies, Ones and and then Twitter, Instagram. I have those pages, too, and Facebook. Um, I have a movie, so all those pages are covered. Perfect. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things i are doing that are pretty cool, but I forgot until I have to remember like when they're due tomorrow. But yeah, I got, I got some fun stuff coming up so you can check all those out.
0: You can, you can, you can find Mark on all the socials and that in the show notes as well. So you, 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 yeah. If you, if you want more Mark Hoffmar in your life, you'll be able to find it. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for coming and getting caged in with me.
1: Oh, this is all. And I'm I'm glad for the invite and you're going to be coming on and doing our show. So uh, you're going to be talking Con Air with us. So we're excited to get you on there.
0: Of course, of course. It's a Nicholas Cage from I'm, um, I'm, I'm always, I'm always excited to to talk to Nicholas Cage, and I, I think we've got a we've got a fun little scene to talk about. And I, oh, I just, yeah. I just sizzle that for people uh, to to definitely check out that show. I've been listening week in, week out, and I, I absolutely, I absolutely love it. So to to be a guest on it, I'm gonna be coming with. I, I'm gonna know all the in jokes. I'm gonna know all, the, all, all the stuff. I'm, I'm excited for
1: it. I've I've liked the freedom of it. I you know I love hosting with Jay because he just sort of he kind of lets me go. And when you're doing these minute scene podcasts, when you're doing forty episodes about one movie, you got to get kind of weird with it. Mm-hmm. So I dig I dug all the weird stuff that we've done, all the cool guests we've had. So I think uh, we'll have another cool chapter coming up soon. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: Well, again, Mark, thank you so much for coming and getting caged in.
1: Oh, this is great. Thank you for having me.
0: Hoffmeier. What an absolute joy that conversation was. And you'll be able to hear me on Con Air, the podcast, on the 9th of February, where I'll be joining Mark and Jay Cluit to discuss a chapter from that film. And oh boy, i got a little fun one. I've already been sent the clip, and I, I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'll, I'll leave that as a surprise. But you may be able to work it out if you're kind of keeping up to date with that podcast. And if you're not, it's an absolute barnstormer of a pod. Uh, they've they've had some great guests on. They've really gone into that film in granular detail. So much so that it makes me envious that I can't do this with some of my favourite Nicolas Cage films. But i got to keep the train rolling. I can't slow down and go for a film in granular detail like that. I've got. I just got to keep on going. I've got to cover these films the best I can. I feel like I'm doing that. I feel like I've come into 2023... With some uh, I don't know some 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 oomph behind me, some some fresh goings on, and I think things uh, things are fun. There's been some great great feedback from some of the last episodes, especially the kind of looking at Cage past, looking at Cage to come, and the musical episodes from last week. So thank you so much for anyone who's like reaching out and getting in touch and let me know. And if you want to get in touch, like it really does mean the world to me getting a message saying hey that was really insightful that was really great Like i didn't know that or how entertaining was that like hey i'm i'm not a bad singer hey guys like who who knew it who knew it i can i can hold a tune maybe me and jack will uh have our nicholas cage adaptation stage play well yeah we'll we'll, we'll get it going we'll get our musical going (laughs) But if you want to get in touch, yeah, as I said, uh, hit all the socials which are at Caged In Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, TikTok, and uh, some other ones. If 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 you type in at Caged In Pod on a on a, on a social media and a pop up, then it's me. If, if unless there's somebody impersonating me which would be whoa that's pretty cool but uh <laughs> I, yeah, I yeah yeah, yeah 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 you, you 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 get it you get it it's a it's a weird time with social medias we're in a state of flux but i'm still there i'm holding on to the ones that we've got and i don't know when 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 things become too unbearable or things die and they shut down the servers then i'll go but you'll be able to find me there or as ever, you can kick it old school. if You can send me an email, which is cagedinpod at gmail dot com. As for next week on the podcast, um, I'll be joined by James from the Glasgow Film Festival to discuss his top five Nicolas Cage films. Might be thinking, why James from the... <laughs> from the glasgow film festival well james did an amazing thread that kind of really grabbed my attention last year where he got people to just mention a film just say like hey like uh let me yeah yeah give me a film and i'll give you a nicholas cage film that will that will be a perfect pairing with it and it kind of i i i, I flippantly put out i said whoever's done this Fred." You are welcome on the podcast at any point. And James reached out to me, James McLeod, and said, Hey, I'm up for doing it, if you are. And I said, Yeah, let's do it. It's Cageduary. Let's celebrate all things Cage, And let's kind of tap into how he did it, how his algorithmic mind matched up any film to Nicolas Cage films and kind of intrigued to dive into that. So yeah be sure to come back for that one next week so if you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast financially you can head over to patreon which is in a state of flux itself at the moment but i can assure you there are big things coming with that i want to i want to make that kind of like a safe haven for us cage heads and copola i don't know copola boys and gals Uh, To just kind of discuss things and just have some fun Discuss some movies that may be tangentially connected Talk about other films that don't involve this weird and wonderful family So yeah, head on over to that which is patreon.com forward slash caged in pod Or if you'd like to support this podcast and don't want to give me your cash Which I totally understand, we are living through a cost of living crisis Especially if you are here in the UK it is absolutely fucked out there um this makes me sound like a real fucking asshole, but uh, <laughs> I, I i i i i recently went to buy my favorite brand of oat milk which jumped up from the space of pre-christmas to post-christmas by 30 pence which is insane which is insane, like to have such a large increase. <laughs> like uh, I don't drive, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't travel for work. I walk to work, so stuff like that is. Uh, oh yeah, I'm giving you what has impacted me directly, and uh, that's what it is. It's it's the price of oat milk as uh, a <laughs> as a big old lefty softy vegan out here. So yeah, that's that's what's been impacting my life with the cost of living crisis. But yeah, if you don't want to give me your money you can head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now, and leave me a lovely five-star rating and review. And always be sure to say in your review, what does Bill Murray say to Scarlett Hansen at the end of the Lost in Translation? Or what is your favourite Nicholas Cage film? I always really love to know. Um, so do all of that good stuff. Support the podcast. But as ever, guys, I've been Petrus Pat Silvers. I've been caged in, and I'll catch you next time.
1: This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Couple Connections, A Driptown Limery Maine, franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you.